Before you get started, be sure to consider the site location, soil health, sunlight, and overhead obstructions. You need to make sure you are picking the right tree for the right place. Will your tree be too close to your house or the street when it's old? Why do you want to plant a native tree? Is this the right tree for my front yard? And always call Kentucky 811 before you dig. It could save your life. First, you will need a few tools to get started. A shovel, gloves, a soil knife, a tarp, and a bolt cutter. In Kentucky, we recommend planting between October and May. In general, we plant three different types of trees, container, ball and burlap, and root trapper bags. The way you plant them is pretty similar, and it all starts with digging a hole. Let's begin. The width of the planting hole should be a minimum of two times the size of your root ball. Place your tarp and or bucket next to the planting hole. Using the shovel, remove the sod from the hole in wedges and set it aside. And we'll use it later at the end. Now we'll start with the digging, which is the first part of planting any tree. Depth of the planting hole should be equal to the depth of the root ball, measured from... From the root collar all the way down to the bottom. But wait, what's a root collar? I'm glad you asked, Patton. This is where the trunk of the tree actually meets up with the roots and so you'll notice it's where it really starts expanding and flaring out. The ideal shape of the hole should also be like a bowl or a teacup. It's really important that your root collar is always exposed. Planting a tree too deep can actually kill it. Jacqueline and Patton have set down a tarp and that's really helpful so that you can maintain a clean planting space because all the soil that you remove from the hole will eventually go back into the hole. To prep a container for tree planting, we begin by removing any ropes, ties, and stakes from the tree. Gently tip the tree over. Make sure you watch out for your partner there. Next, gently remove the container. You may need to push on the sides of the container to help loosen up the root ball. Roll, but never lift the container to remove the tree. Remove any excess soil from the root flare. If the roots are matted, shave them off up to about two inches. You'll notice with container trees, a lot of times there are roots that are circling around, known as girdling roots. Cut off and loosen any of that. Don't be afraid of potentially damaging the tree. Trees are quite hardy. It's good to have all of this removed to give this tree the best chance for survival once it starts growing new roots. Using your shovel, measure the depth from the bottom of the root collar to the bottom of the root ball and compare it to the depth of your planting hole. The hole is actually too deep right now. Add a removed soil as needed, breaking up some of that dirt because we want it in very small clumps. We don't want large air pockets in our hole until the root collar is level to the ground. Now that your hole has been prepped, you're going to gently roll the ball into the hole. Aim for the middle of the hole, never pull on the trunk itself. Before backfilling, be sure to check the orientation of your tree. Make sure the dominant branches are parallel with the road or the sidewalk. Look at the bottom three feet of the trunk. Yeah, that looks good. Young trees tend to have a natural bow in them, so you can't determine straightness by looking at the crown. The trees will straighten themselves as they grow. Backfill the planting hole with soil from the tarp, filling six inches at a time, patting down between each six inches. So that there aren't any air gaps for the roots to dry out. 
When compacting the soil around the root ball, you always want to make sure you're on the outside of the root ball. With this extra soil we have, we're going to create a berm. Making a big moat or a donut around the hole, that way the water stays right at the root ball and doesn't go out to the side. If you have any sod left over, you'll want to flip it upside down. This will just help kill the grass. Apply mulch one to four inches deep across the diameter of the hole. The mulch on the outside of the berm should be the deepest, tapering to a depth of one inch over the root ball. Do not apply mulch at the base of the trunk. Leave two inch radius of space between trunk and mulch. For a bald and burlap tree, the process is a little different. Begin by removing any ropes or ties from the tree. For a bald and burlap tree, you will also have to remove nails that are embedded in the burlap. Next, open the burlap on the top and remove any excess soil to expose the root collar. Take your bolt cutters and cut off the cage at the bottom of the root ball. Safely discard any metal after it's removed. Next, make a circular cut in the burlap to expose the root ball. Roll your prepped ball and burlap tree into the planting hole. Now that your tree is in the hole, cut off the remaining cage from the root ball. Make a series of vertical cuts into the burlap so that you can completely remove the burlap from the hole. You don't want anything remaining in the hole with your tree. Backfill your hole and create a berm just like you did with the container tree. For a root trapper tree, the process is almost exactly the same as it was with a bald and burlap tree. You just don't have any nails or metal cages to deal with. Begin by cutting the bottom off of your root trapper tree. Then, roll your tree to your planting hole. You will then make a series of vertical cuts along the root trapper bag to free the bag from the root ball. You're doing great! Pull the root trapper bag away and start backfilling your tree. Your newly planted tree has been through a lot of stress today and is no doubt thirsty. Watering should take place at the time of planting and continue for the next three years, May through October. Or if you're a Lovillian, Derby through Halloween. If it snows or rains more than one inch, you do not have to water your trees. Overwatering can damage trees just as easily as underwatering. Test your soil's moisture levels by digging down about two inches. Your soil should feel moist and cool but not overly damp. If you use a water bag, be sure to take the water bag off after the planting and watering season is over. Our tree is planted. Here are some friendly reminders to make sure you've planted your tree correctly. The root collar is exposed and at soil level. All tree ties, bamboo stakes, and non-native materials are removed. Make sure to prune out any dead or broken limbs. There is a substantial berm around your tree and you have mulched your tree correctly. Now you know how to properly plant a tree. We would love to have you at one of our volunteer plantings. We need people like you who are passionate about trees to help us grow Louisville's urban tree family. If you would like further information about tree maintenance, please visit the Urban Forestry website, Louisville Grows website, or Trees Louisville's website. We hope to see your happy trees planted around Louisville. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you learned a lot about planting trees. Go, Go trees! Well, that's a wrap for us today. We hope you enjoyed learning about our urban forestry department, the ways you can get involved, and why trees are so essential to living a healthy life.
Don't forget, you can find Louisville Parks and Recreation on social media and bestparksever.com. We'll see you next time. MSD, ensuring safe, clean waterways for Louisville and the surrounding region. MSD does more than you might realize to protect the health and safety of our communities, and the work is really quite extraordinary. It is our mission to provide quality wastewater, stormwater, and flood protection services to protect public health and safety. Let's talk about MSD's three key services. First up, wastewater treatment. This is the water we send down the drain from sinks, showers, tubs, and toilets. MSD treats more than 170 million gallons of wastewater every day. Water quality treatment centers ensure that the water meets or exceeds regulatory standards before it's released back into local streams and the Ohio River. Next up, stormwater management. What happens when we get heavy rains or after it snows? All of that water has to go somewhere. MSD makes sure the runoff flows into drainage channels to underground pipes that transport water away from homes and businesses and into area creeks, streams, and the Ohio River. Now let's talk about flood protection. MSD flood protection infrastructure includes 29 miles of flood wall, 16 pumping stations, 150 floodgates, and 80 flood wall closures. It all works together, keeping the community safe when river waters rise. MSD also closely monitors water quality within the system to make sure pollutants don't contaminate our waterways. Plus, the innovative technology and engineering of MSD's waterway protection tunnel and underground storage basins further protect our community from dangerous overflows and pollution. There's more to MSD than you imagined, right? MSD is dedicated to our community's health, a cleaner environment, and a better quality of life for all area residents, today, tomorrow, and for years to come. As Louisville continues to grow, there is a need for more diverse and attainable housing that fits with the character and personality of our many communities. One way to address this need is by encouraging new accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, in our neighborhoods. An ADU is a smaller secondary living unit on the same residential lot as a principal structure or single family home. ADUs go by many names and come in different shapes and styles, some of which you may already recognize, like the carriage homes found in Old Louisville. Depending on where you live, Louisville's ADU ordinance allows for the construction or renovation of ADUs as either attached or detached structures. Attached ADUs are main or second level additions to an existing home or garage, creating a secondary and fully independent residence. Often, homeowners choose to convert existing attic space, storage space, or a second floor into this type of ADU. They can also be a basement or garden apartment by converting lower level space into separate living quarters. ADUs can also be detached standalone buildings by adding a newly constructed structure to a residential lot or by converting an existing garage into living space. 
By adding an ADU to your property, everyone wins. Whether you'd like to have a space for your parents, in-laws, or a caregiver to live, or a small apartment you can rent, ADUs allow for these opportunities by expanding housing choices in established neighborhoods without disruption. If you would like to learn more about adding an ADU to your property, please visit our website where you can find informational sheets, contact information, and the step-by-step -step process on how you can add an ADU to your property. Alice French Johnson is our past assistant executive director, longtime TARC employee. The building was named in her honor when she retired. Recently, we added about a 60,000 watt solar photovoltaic array on the roof, which will both power the operations and send some power back to the grid. A photovoltaic array is just a collection of solar panels. So when the sun is shining, for instance, on that array, each one of those panels is capable of producing 425 watts of energy in direct sunlight. When you think about 126 of them, each producing over 400 watts of energy, you begin to see the amount of power that we can produce. It's enough power to power tools, computers, all kinds of things. It's sort of central to our mission to explore transportation alternatives that improve the social, environmental, or economic opportunities of the greater Louisville community. And this is an example of an environmental opportunity, but it's economic as well, because if we can produce energy just from the sun, uh, we save that money, but we also reduce emissions that aren't needed to sell us energy that are produced from coal or natural gas-fired power plants. And that photovoltaic array will continue to produce energy for at least 15 years and more than likely for better than 25 years. Technology keeps improving and it's up from here. As good stewards of the facilities, we need not just to maintain, but to renovate. And as we renovate, if we can add things like photovoltaic arrays, we aren't just reducing emissions, but we're also preserving the life of that new roof that we're putting on a building. It's important to have one eye, at least, on the future and to work to make that future as positive as we can. As we, uh, as we start to move forward on our Kentucky Trails project. We just visited the site. There's 20 undeveloped acres here at the zoo. It's a gift for us for sure. And it really is an opportunity for us to help people understand Severe weather can strike anytime, anywhere, but there's a simple way to stay safe. Hey, Jim Cantori here. I stay safe in dangerous weather by planning ahead. You can stay safe too with a few easy steps. Build an inexpensive kit with supplies for your family's needs. Write down important information like phone numbers and medications. Always talk with your family and remember any pets in your planning. Be ready, be safe. Start your plan today at ready.gov plan. Louisville uh, has a population of about uh, 800,000 uh, people. We're made up of a collection of a variety of different neighborhoods that contain a variety of different uh, housing types, restaurants, businesses, 
My organization, Planning and Design Services, we are the zoning and land use wing of Louisville Metro Government. So our office oversees the um, how land is used, what's permitted on, on land, how land is subdivided, and what types of uses or buildings you can have on a property. In the summer of 2020, we took on the, uh, the land development code reform effort. And one of the first things that uh, we got started with in adopting was an accessory dwelling unit ordinance. We recognize that the land development code has many inequities um, that have existed for many decades that prohibit the ability to deliver um, a variety of different housing choices like the accessory dwelling unit that we have in the background here. Within Metro, we have Metro's planning and design team, and they have done tremendous work getting us to this point. Uh, while Metro Council voted on this last year, we know that there was tremendous work done uh, to help prepare and to research for the needs of the community to really make the best case for why ADUs are a good fit in our community. An ADU stands for accessory dwelling unit or an accessory apartment. It's essentially a second small home on your property. Um, and it's a second small home that could be detached you know, maybe it's a garage conversion. Maybe it's a standalone apartment in the rear yard. Um, maybe it's the second story on an existing garage. You could also do an attached accessory unit, attach it to your home, do an addition to your home and add a unit. You could convert your basement, or you could even convert your second or third floor to an accessory apartment. When we bought this house and we redid our back porch and stuff, we ran water and electric lines anticipating that in the future so that helped a lot so it's, it's more just it's all pre-planning aarp has been an excellent partner to work with throughout our land development code reform process they've been an excellent collaborator the aarp community challenge grant is assisting um, planning and design services uh, with putting together an education and marketing strategy around accessory dwelling units in june of 2021 we went to Metro Council, had them listen to us, and wow, they agreed, we won. So we started seeing the applications for ADUs increase. This opportunity really allows us to be able to talk about the value of ADUs, what this can look like, and normalize this sort of lifestyle. We've had a lot of support for accessory dwelling units from neighborhoods. Um, we've had a lot of uh, support from uh, community organizations around accessory dwelling units. Um, you know, in recognizing the benefits of accessory dwelling units for all people within Louisville. ADUs can increase the availability of accessible and affordable housing, and everybody wins in the end. It's a win-win situation. This is the Fern Creek area. We're in the Adams Run neighborhood. All the neighbors are very nice. Yeah. We've been here for 26 years of so my whole life. Eat snacks, watch football, movies. We try to enjoy our time around each other as much as we can. The original idea for this project was to build a little extension so we could have an outside sitting area for year round. But contractor kind of dashed those hopes. He gave us a good price and I Googled him. He has five stars. Uh, we asked him for his insurance and his license, which he did, he have it. He kind of mapped out the plan, which made us think he was a legit inspector. And at first everything seemed normal. They came out and they got the frame done really quickly. Then they got the roof on really quickly. We were waiting on the windows to come and we noticed the roof started to bow. When we started to kind of question him on that, he started to no-show, he started to not answer calls, texts. 
um, and that's when we knew something was wrong. We need to know all the window sizes. I was scared to go to the permit office and bring an inspector here because I was afraid he's going to tell me take all of it down. They need a more accurate site plan. Mm -hmm. Has that already been provided? We told her the whole situation. They came into our office and we pulled it up and sure enough there was no permit. We were able to come out, look at it to see what, what it was going to take to see if we could salvage what was here. And he told us exactly what we need to do. When we first visited this, it looked like the whole roof was going to have to come off. Deep inside, I didn't trust any of them. Then we contacted Mark. Yeah, it was pretty scary. When I opened it, the whole window just bowed out. He just had a couple of nails on each side of the window, even holding the, a double window in. We do see this quite often. I hate it for the homeowner because it just costs them more. Contractor was able to save some of the material because they had a lot of money invested in this. My guys were actually afraid to get up on the roof to tear it down. We, we actually supported the roof while we were taking it off. He did an amazing job. He was here on time. He finished it like exactly how we wanted. We had to plumb all the walls because all the walls were either leaning out or in. Put headers above the windows, set the beam on a wall. All the uh, hurricane clips on the... ...second at 6 p.m. to select both uh, seats. Are there any questions before we begin? Seeing none, Madam Clerk, please call the first applicant. Gabron Crook. Mr. Crook, you'll have three minutes for an opening statement. Uh, then we'll have up to 10 minutes of questions, and then you'll get one minute for a closing statement. Uh, I think, Madam Clerk, you told me about the microphone, and you can begin whenever you're ready. Good afternoon, Metro Council. I'm Jabron Crook. I'm representing District 3. Uh, I've been a member of the Teleberry Association for quite a while now. I'm actually one of the co-directors of the Junior NBA. I was actually the first coach they ever called for the Junior NBA last year to be able to proceed to get it for these kids. Um, I'm a girls basketball AAU coach. I've been coaching for over a decade. I'm actually the co-director of the boys' side for City Basketball, KY. Um, I'm definitely an advocate of the youth. I think that the youth is definitely something that we need to push every day because without a good youth, there's never a, f a good future. You know, nothing really can prepare you for a kid that's asking for help. You know, just trying to give your money to them, trying to just give them guidance, trying to just help them out to be some kind of help so they can succeed in life. I've definitely been beneficial of having good adults around me. My uncle was a national champion for Louisville back in the 1980s, Herbert Crook. My father played for Louisville Central back in the early 70s. I'm a basketball kid. All I know is basketball, and basketball has definitely kept me out of trouble. Um, I think it's very important that parks, especially growing up, having something to do, it keeps you away from not only trouble, but actually give you stuff to do every single day when you're looking forward to going in a nice scenery. And I think that four parts of District 3, from Algonquin to St. Matthias to Russell, uh, Arcade, it's a little bit, the structure just kind of like, well, what does a kid have to do just to get some attention or just to get, just to let out and be a free kid? You know, I think that having nice rims, the grass being cut, 
having family get-togethers at the parks is very important for just the whole district and just the structure of everybody. I also, I also think that having town hall meetings with the police, I think that when the community knows the police, when the police knows community, it gives, it gives off a better vibe because people get scared, especially when they see the police. The police are a very important, important part of the community because I feel more safe when the police are around. You know, I'm not a trouble kid. I've never been a trouble kid. So I think that it's very important that it's a rapport from the authority to the community. Also, with me running for Metro Council, I also want to just give out $5,000 of my salary just to tell, I want to put my money where my mouth is. Because I, I think there's a lot of great candidates in this room over there. I think it's just, just a lot of great people that definitely want to serve the community. But I want to do something to where I want to give back, especially for back to school. I want to give shoes to kids, brand new pair of shoes that always just increase the confidence, um, brand new clothes if you need money for uh, lunch in the morning, um, just summer activities. I just think that putting my money where my mouth is is definitely something that is very important. Also, the, just being a good kind. Mr. Crook, so that was your three minutes. Three minutes. Sorry about yeah, that. It's that's going okay. on the flow now. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Uh, Councilman Arthur. Peace. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Well, I think um, me trying to create my own foundation in God's glory. Um, I try to be self-sufficient because, you know, sometimes you can't rely on um, just all government funding. So. I did put my money where my mouth is and gave back back to school supplies, uh, talking to different people in the community. And I was actually on the primary last year in 2022 running against Keisha Dorsey. So I think me definitely can advocate more of actually doing the handiwork and actually going out there trying to get the votes. I walked the district, I mean, so many times where I think I broke so many printers at the library because I was just getting flyers out, flyers out, flyers out, just trying to promote myself. and. You know, you can't be at Metro Council if nobody sees you. So the hard part is the best part because the people need to know who you are. You can't make change if nobody knows who you are. So Jabron Crook, a lot of people know me as Lil G Man, the basketball player. You know, this guy play, he plays basketball, he's having a lot of fun. But I think this was an experience for me that I need to have because even though I lost and I was very depressed on losing, I, I felt like I was giving my all. Um, I was better for it because it made me realize that I just need to up it up and give it another boost when I go for it again. So I think that me running for the, for the primary last year and other qualifications that I can be ready for it for a special election. Thank you. Uh, Councilwoman Rui. Uh, what are your priorities for addressing the homelessness crisis that faces our community? Well, there's actually, um, a church that's vacant on Dixie Highway, and I talk to a lady all the time about it. And it's funny that you're actually saying this to me right now, because I was just thinking about that on my way to the Metro Council. We need to try to make that a shelter, because why waste a nice property when you can use it for a benefit for the homeless? I mean, just because somebody's homeless, that don't mean that they're bad people. I just think sometimes the situations they're just tough for them. You know, sometimes they just can't afford different places. Sometimes they get in situations where they lose their jobs. 
you know, sometimes we have to stop looking at homeless people as bad people because they're, they can be just as vital for giving instructions to somebody that needs help, especially when they get in the position to start winning. It's always just a little spark that they need, whether it's just a, a couple of dollars. Um, I'm going to help you find a job, some new clothes. I just think the homeless sometimes get a bad rap, and as me growing up, I just, I just never look at the homeless like down on them. I just feel like that person can, can be in my position right now, and they could be Metro Council one day or governor or something, some, something more productive in life. So I just, I just feel like that, that part and that vacancy on Dixie Highway could be very crucial to the homeless people. Councilwoman Chambers Armstrong. Thank you, Mr. President, and uh, thank you for being here and inter interviewing with us. Um, I'm curious what other commitments you have on your time and how you would balance the other obligations you have with serving on Metro Council. Well, actually, the junior MBA is we're supposed to start this, um, this past week, but we just want to make sure that it's perfect for the kids because we want to make sure that when the parents come in, it's a nice structure for the weeks coming up. I, um, you know, it's, it's definitely hard to balance trying to be Metro Council and my AAU season coming up, trying to get a new job. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely tough, but I feel like the Metro Council will be my first priority because it's serving the people. You know, the other priorities, they are great. You know, I love being a basketball coach. I love doing stuff for the community and for the kids, but Metro Council is definitely, it's a vital point that I feel like that I'm ready for. You know, I know it's going to be tough on me, but I'll be ready for any answer to make it to make anything happen for my people in District Three. Thank you, right. Councilman Batcham. Mr. Crook, um, you talk about the four parks in your district and uh, the basketball courts and uh, the green space, etc. Um, historically, you know the district. I, I kind of know it pretty well. I kind of grew up in that area a little bit. So, um, love basketball and. What is your position and how are you going to advocate to prevent the crime and the protection of the property um, in those city parks, the rims, the, the courts, the, the, the green space, you know, the picnic tables, prevent the crime of the, the, the drug use or drug dealing um, and advocate for the safety and protection of the, the children, the youth, the, the adults, just everybody in the community in that area? Well, I know for me growing up, you know, I was always, I knew I was going to get in trouble if I did anything bad. I knew that somebody was going to tell my father. And nothing more scarier than when you're a kid saying, I'm going to tell your daddy. I know that I didn't want those problems. So I know that let's have a program to where we can try to get these kids, say, here's $50. Come here real quick. I know if you pick up this trash over here, I will pay you try to at least every day uh, some portion to try to make sure all the kids can understand this is very important. I feel like there needs to be fun activities. So let's just say um, we're having something at Algonquin, and then I have an announcement saying I'm, pay I'm personally paying out of my pocket. We're going to have a, a family get-together for the community, and we're having a barbecue. You can bring everybody over, and you can see the importance of when everybody's getting along, when everybody's having a good time, and there's nice areas around, then people won't want to be doing destructive stuff. People don't want to sell drugs. People are having stuff to do. That's why I say the parks are very important because if you see more people having fun in those particular places, like let's just say the Algonquin Pool. The Algonquin Pool is never open. 
what are the kids supposed to do? What are they going to do with that energy? They're going to just run around rap, rap it. A lot of kids nowadays are carrying guns more and more. I never had to deal with that situation. Thank God. You know, afford, well, fortunately, I was too scared to. Somebody has to step up to the, to the plate and tell the kid to come here and say, you want to learn how to cut hair? Let's go to this barbershop and talk to Mr. T.O. You come in here and sweep this barbershop, I got $25 for you. But you can also learn how to cut hair with this guy. You can also learn and bring your female friends and learn from Miss Roslyn because if a kid is looking forward to learning every day, they're having fun with it and they're getting paid, it's going to occupy their time from doing crime and doing bad stuff. The drug dealing, you really can never stop. But I do say, I, I can say that when certain people are in certain positions, they won't bring that around because they respect you. So let's just say if it's a big time drug dealer and he's doing some, some negative stuff, but if he sees me, it's like, you're not gonna break it over today, man. We can't, we got these kids and we got this family over here. We're trying to have a get together. We're trying to make sure we have some positivity going on. It's just not gonna happen. I've seen it with my own eyes. So I just think that it could be different, great effects that you kind of got to force upon the people. And I think that my plans can, you know, I'm just one person. I know I have to have a collective front for everybody in the community, but I'm definitely going to try. So that's all I really can say right now. And if you don't try, then nothing's going to happen anyway. With the, the, you brought up the drugs and the drug dealers, et cetera. Um, so let me ask you that. So if you, in your community, and you can pinpoint, you know, where the activity's happening and how we can, prevent these issues from hitting our streets and how we can proactively stop these issues and keeping our kids safe and our youth safe. Because what you said in the beginning of your interview is, you know, the youth is our future, you know, clearly I believe that. Um, so how do you work and advocate to, to pinpointing those issues and making sure that this stops all the way around across the entire city? Well, I think we need to talk to the parents because sometimes the parents, are, they act, they act more younger than the kids, because a lot of the parents are young. You got the kids, they're on Instagram, they're on Instagram with their parents, so they're seeing the parents' activities, and it's like, well, I cannot relate to an adult if she's acting more younger than me. So I feel like some of my friends, in which me throwing my own basketball tournaments, and I let the teams play for free. What I think is amazing is actually seeing those kids playing, and I'm knowing their parents and saying, come here, look. I think y'all need to come more together, and I'm gonna throw more events so where we can all kind of have conversations. Say, if your kid is having a rough day, this is what's going on. Because I've, I've talked to a few parents about a few things that they just didn't want to discuss with their parents. It's like, look, man, come here. You, you know, your son or your daughter, she just she think you own her too much. You know, you just you just doing too much around her. They're like, man, I just didn't see it that way. I was like, think about me, because I always had pressure of being a good athlete. My father was just amazing, and my uncle, you know, he's a national champion. So I always feel like I'm sick and tired of being compared. I got to be great every day until somebody told my father, my uncle, this is what Jabron's going through. So I just think that I come more conversations to where you don't have to have the rah-rah. You just have to be like presentable. This is the situation. And we need to come with a resolution of if the, if the kids see the parents acting a certain way, they'll act a certain way. And it's positive in that because more kids, they want to learn more. They can say what they want to about the negativity that goes on in District 3 or other places, but a lot of kids want to be great. 
That's a fact. And personally, I've seen a few of my kids playing on ESPN in the past couple of weeks. Those kids had some of the worst situations. And now look at them. And actually, one of my kids will be drafting WNBA in a couple, a couple of months. So if those kids can come from situations and use basketball as a tool, and we talk to their parents about this is what you can do to make it easy on them, I think that's the resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. Crook. Uh, Mr. Crook, you have one minute uh, for any closing thoughts. The Metro Council, um, I'm just one man. I'm just a 36-year-old guy that's trying to be positive in my community. And what's so crazy about this situation is I never thought I'd be actually running for politics at all. You know, I, like Kalia, I know you look familiar because I know I've seen you around in that area. But actually, the one person that made me run in 2018 is talking to Sister Donna, Donna Purvis. She actually... You know, I was always seeing her in church. We go to West Broadway Church of Christ together, and I always seen her. She had like a little, little spark about it. You know, I just like I gotta ask her what she does because I wanted to help her. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted her to help me with my AU program, and she told me about Metro Council. I thought it was like a community to where, if you get on the staff and people see you doing good in the community, I didn't know about you got to get voted in. I didn't know about um, you get paid for it. I thought it was a free position. So, me talking to Sister Donna actually changed everything going into the pandemic because if the pandemic don't happen i don't even talk to y'all right now so i feel like the pandemic just changed everything about me and it actually made me just say well if i can be a great basketball coach i can be a great politician you know so i, I think i i think that right now I, whether i win or lose i'm a winner right now because i'm in front of the metro council <laughs> and i'm inspiring a lot of people in my neighborhood to say you see me go forward Last year I did win, but you see me back now. And coming after this special election, you're gonna be seeing me going forward for again. So I'm a fighter. I can never Mr. be a loser because I'm gonna smile every day and say, I'm gonna get up and show everybody what I got. Mr. Crook, thank you very much for your time and your interest. Mm -hmm. um, again, you're welcome to watch the rest of the interviews uh, in the conference room, but uh, really appreciate your time today. Madam Clerk, please let the record reflect that we were joined some time ago by Councilman Reed, Councilman Mulvihill, and I believe that's everybody. Yep. Andrew Branton. Mr. Branton, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, you will have three minutes for an opening. Uh, we'll have 10 minutes for questions and one minute uh, for a closing. You'll see on the screen on the right, there'll be a countdown timer that will help. You'll hear a gong at the end. I uh, would ask you just to conclude whatever thought um, you're on when that goes off, please. And uh, you may start whenever you're ready. Uh, yes, hit the, green, hit the push button. And as long as it's green, the mic's on. Okay, great. Um, forgive me, it's going to be weird with somebody behind me and then people to decide and whatnot. I won't do any talking, so. Okay, excellent. Um, my name is Andy Branton. I have not been a resident of District 3 or Louisville very long, but uh, it has changed me for the better and has grown me as a person. So um, I work at Johnson Controls over in J-Town. Uh, my wife is a public defender here in Louisville and an organizer in the Public Defender Union, and as am I. We just celebrated one year of being a union and existing um, at Monic over in Schnitzelburg. 
Um, I did not think that uh, political office was something I aspired to, and then I thought um, if good things are going to happen, somebody has to do it, and I don't need to look for other people to do that. Perhaps I should step up and, and do the work. So that's why I applied, and that's why I'm here today, despite seeing the list of incredibly qualified candidates that came in with the email that said you're invited to come at 5 p.m. So I hope that, uh, that you don't think um, being too bold or arrogant or something by being here, um, but I also understand that this is not a typical job interview, nor is it uh, actually an election, right? So um, that makes sense to me. Um, a minute and 40. So when I rolled into Louisville, my wife and I came early, uh, a few months before we moved her into town, to try to find a place to live. So uh, we're renters now, we were going to rent then, and we thought, okay, like we know people here, we'll go to some of the trendier neighborhoods, or we'll go to the places people have told us about, or the apartment complex, or whatever. And so we were, of course, shocked by the fact that everyone we talked to went, well, if you're not moving next week, I don't want to talk. So that was sort of a bizarre thing to adjust to. I'm from a rural farming community, and then I moved to a big city of 40,000 people. Um, when I turned 18, but uh, we came and we saw some houses and we applied some places, but when we drove on to Creel Avenue, where we live now, um, we saw children playing, and we went, oh, wow, that's, we haven't seen that in some of these other places we went to, and we saw some college kids who were riding little bird scooters to, to go to class, and we saw, like, some white children and black children playing together. And we thought, this is not something that we've seen here in Louisville, this is unique. And then we met our landlord-to-be, who is a heart surgeon. And we thought, this is, this would never happen where we're from in Alabama. And, you know, this is perhaps gonna be our home. And so we signed up, I got married on a Saturday, and on a Sunday I moved into Louisville. And once I got over my panic attack, um, I got to work making it my home. Thank you, Mr. Brandon. Thank you. Councilman Arthur. Peace. Uh, which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? So I would say the most relevant personal experience I have that jumps out to me is my experience with the Louisville Metro Public Defenders Union. So there is so much about that organization, the organizing effort, but also the stories and experiences that I have been exposed to as a layperson, right? I'm not an attorney. I never wanted to be one. I married one. And I have found that, you know, there is a way to fight without being adversarial. There is a way to, you know, reach for a goal despite setbacks, and there is a way to look at a brick wall and say, I can get through that. So I will say that there are quite a few of my wife's clients that are my neighbors in District 3. And so that has certainly led to an understanding about some of the issues that my neighbors face, and hopefully uh, a sympathetic ear and a mind that wants some solutions to some of the issues they face. Councilman Batcher. 
Uh, thanks for coming, Mr. Branton. Um, so I have a question in regards to homelessness. It says uh, that you were um, feeling, you know, in your 20s, pretty, you know, powerless and hopeless. So, um, so you understand probably some depression and things like that. So how do you feel about the homeless situation in our city and the depressed state of mind that some of these people are in? And how do you feel on combating some of those issues? So I am excited that one of the first things Mayor Greenberg has announced is his uh, initiative to build the, well, I'm blanking on the name, but we're, we know what we're talking about. Um, but to, like, to your question and the heart of it, um, I am, I was having a discussion when I came home for Christmas with my mother about how their small city is starting to experience homelessness in a very visible way, right? And we were discussing it, and I went, look, if you don't get a handle on this now, and if you don't look for root causes of this, in a few years, you know, you'll be sitting in a city that says, this is a crisis, what are we going to do? So we know that there is a stigma about homelessness, but we also know if we are going to look at the facts that homelessness is very often not a choice, it is very often a result of circumstances and many times mental illness. My wife has many clients that are homeless as a result of mental illness. And while depressed, while depression can creep in on us about like ourselves is what are we gonna do about that, as well as you know a homeless person experiencing depression about their situation, we can't let that paralyze us into inaction. And we also can't put our hands up and say, I don't know what the solution is. Well, that's fine. You, we don't have to have a solution, but we do have to be willing to find one. So one of the things I am most concerned about is that if my wife has a client that is mentally incompetent, okay, she believes them to be. Perhaps they say what we might characterize as crazy things. But they have been arrested on a low-level misdemeanor. The wait list to be evaluated for mental competency is months long. And these people are housed in a jail where people die regularly at this point. And so this person, arrested on a low-level misdemeanor related to homelessness, could risk it and be evaluated for competency and maybe get the help they need. Or they could take a plea deal that gets them out of jail and reduces their risk of dying while in custody. And that is an issue that we should tackle. I don't have an answer for that, but that is what I am most concerned about. That is depressing, but we should not let our depression lead us to inaction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Mr. President. So uh, public safety is without a doubt probably uh, the highest um, issue of importance right now in, in, the, in the broader community. Could you just address some of your philosophies and ideas on how to address public safety, please? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I will know the last time I talked with Deputy Mayor Nicole George, she said public safety is number one priority for the Greenberg administration. I will say that at my day job at Johnson Controls, that's a, most of what we talk about, right? So my philosophy on public safety, I think, has some nuance to it because of my exposure to being married to a public defender who, you know, is on the defense side, right? But I also, on the weekends, we go out and we have drinks with prosecutors, right? 
So we're able to, you know, to see this system, it is adversarial in the way it exists. But both parties want to tackle it. There is no defense attorney, right, in this city that's saying, I am not concerned about public safety. So I think looking at it, though, from multiple angles, right, from the angle of the city and the Commonwealth and their thoughts, but mine are much more defense-oriented in a way that it's like, we know that we can intervene and help people. And if we help them, if we help them, despite, not, despite the perception that they're not worthy of help, that perhaps, perhaps we can help reduce crime rate in Louisville. Specifically, we have an issue with juveniles that for some reason have access to guns. We know some of them steal those guns, but not all of them. But the job at the juvenile level, right, both on the prosecutor, prosecutor's role, the role of the defense attorney, and also the role of the judge in that, is to intervene and say, now is the time. How can we help this child? And I don't see enough action from the state cabinet on that. They don't have the resources. They don't have the commitment. And so I would lobby for that, certainly, but I am most concerned about making sure that our juvenile offenders are seen after, seen as people, not seen as bad children who will never be reformed, who can never be helped. I think that's where we should target our energy. Thank you, sir. Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. President. <clears throat> uh, quick question, help me understand what your beliefs are on the top three issues specifically for District 3 and what your thoughts would be on how to tackle them if you were if you were appointed to this seat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I notice I have talked quite a, little, a lot about citywide issues. And so to focus in and narrow in on District 3, I am you know, currently most concerned certainly about public safety in my district. We had a child get gunned down around the corner from us in a gang-related shooting. And as I said, not having the answer is not, you know, just because I don't have the answer doesn't mean I can't raise the issue. Um, I do believe, though, that if we can step in and try to intervene in these juveniles' lives, we can perhaps make a difference. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is public transit. I cannot take public transit to my job because it would add an hour to my commute time. Um, I can't imagine that's a unique situation for other people in my district. I happen to own a couple of cars. It's where, you know, we're a two-person household. Um, and I'm able to seek work outside the district. I'm a, I could work inside the district. I wouldn't have to walk. I wouldn't have to take the bus. But for me, it does not make sense that public transit, um, you know, is would be a burden on me rather than a help. That That's not logical to me. So I would like to see us find a way you know, to reduce, you know, travel times, not comparable with, a, you know, someone commuting in a car, but certainly in a way that we could look at that and say, you know, okay, that's an option for me. I can do that. And let's see, I have notes on one more thing. So the last two are tied together. I've talked a lot about unionization. 
I think that advocating for workers' rights includes building a bridge between people who don't view themselves as workers because they're in a higher socioeconomic class and those who view themselves solely as employees and workers. To me, you know, in District 3, there's a lot of opportunity for folks to have good jobs, but our median income is quite low. And I would like to find a way to advocate for folks there that uh, have comparable good jobs to other areas of the city. I can give even a specific example. Um, I am an electronics technician. That's, that's my trade. That's my training. Um, Churchill Downs, which is just outside of my district, I could walk if I really needed to to the Downs. But, you know, they're quite a large company. They're looking to hire an electronics technician. And so the end of that thought is just that they want to pay like $16 for an incredibly well-trained tradesperson. That's insane. We would not accept that of a unionized profession, and we shouldn't accept that out of a, you know, mega corporation like the Downs. Thank you. Thank you. The 10 minutes for questions has ended. I will go through, though, if you have something that you need to ask, I will call on you. Councilman Reed, something you would like to ask? Uh, my, I had a, a three-pronged question, and quite frankly, uh, Councilman Hudson asked uh, quite a bit of it, so I'll go ahead and withdraw. Okay. Councilwoman Rui? My question had to do with uh, applying beautification and other things that you could do in your community to help improve the uh, situation for um, youth, so. Yeah, I, I can address that really quickly. Um, so one of the things that I was very excited about when I moved to my neighborhood was the University of Louisville has the Green Heart Project that's involved in you know beautification, specifically planting trees. The idea that uh, you know more shade, more trees is actually better for your community in ways that can be measurable and that they are attempting to measure. I was actually a test subject. Um, I understand the question to be something, some sort of like youth are doing bad things because they don't have somewhere to go or something. It seems to be the implication of that question. Um, there's a park near my house. We just have to make sure that it's safe for them to go there. Thank you. And Councilwoman Chapel. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting a lot of great public defenders on Friday night at Monarch, so I enjoyed going to the birthday party, and thank you all for the invite. Um, but I was wondering, aside from you and your wife's involvement with the Public Defenders Union, do you personally have any other commitments or involvements within the community? Um, not unionization-wise, and I actually I remember your face now. I was manning the email table when you walked up with Jessica Stone, I believe. Is that right? No. I apologize, I shouldn't have I'm asked. always late, so You're always I, I, late. I, I <laughs> okay. was not there in sign-up time. Um, but to your question, I'm not involved in uh, any sort of major time commitments as far as initiatives like unionization go. Um, I am involved in currently a woodworking class and have got to meet some members of the community that way, and that's been you know a great three hours uh, every week. And then beyond that, my commitment to Commonwealth Pro Audio means that you know, there are regularly people knocking on my door and saying, you know, hey, I live over here, I live over there, or I'm playing here this weekend. You know, nice to meet you. Thank you. And Mr. Brent, you have one minute uh, closing. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't know. I, I said everything. I didn't say everything I wanted to say, but I got really excited about the three minutes at the beginning. Um, I guess my closing, you know, remarks would be one of the things that I was saying to some of the other candidates. Um, when you apply to something like this that is, is really quite strange, 
um, you have no idea of knowing who's going to apply, right? That's not public knowledge until an email goes out last week. And I had no idea that incredibly qualified people would apply um, because I've been on the other side of, you know, in seeing people come in for job interviews and, and thinking this person is incredibly unqualified. So um, I was sort of amazed to see that they're, and encouraged to see that they're incredibly qualified and passionate people that have applied for this vacancy. And I hope that, you know, if you're turned off by my 15 minutes that I had, that you listen attentively to them and consider them because you would be lucky to have them. Mr. Brighton, thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, you may watch the other interviews if you'd like in the conference room, but you're under no obligation to stay. Excellent. So, thank you all for your time. Thank you. Madam Clerk, please, uh, your jacket, sir. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the next candidate. Henrietta Jenkins. Welcome, Ms. Jenkins. You're going to sit right here. You'll, the microphone is on already. Okay. You'll see uh, there's a, going to be a timer on the screen up here. You have a three-minute opening. We'll have about 10 minutes for questions. You'll see it's a box that will come up here. Uh, and then we'll have a one-minute closing. We have many people have questions, so ask you to kind of keep your answers fairly concise, if at all possible. Okay. Whenever you're ready, you may begin, and you're, you'll see that's the timer. You'll see the timer start up there. And when the gong goes off at the end, if you could just wrap up whatever thought you're on and Okay. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Henrietta Jenkins. I am a grants management coordinator, and I am currently also the Justice of the Peace for District 3. The reason I am interested in being appointed to Metro Council District 3 is because I voted for former councilwoman Keisha Dorsey to represent us in District 3. Over the last three years, I have kept up with the type of leadership she brought to the community. I am seeking the appointment to hold the standard of leadership my community has become accustomed to. My three major concerns are public safety, economic development, and lack of access to food options. If it pleases this council, I look forward to being appointed to Metro Council District 3 and working with all of you on both sides of the aisle in the very near future. Thank you. Councilwoman Purvis. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Ms. Jenkins, for being here. Oftentimes, times in our role, uh, people will make requests on us that oftentimes are not ethical. And I wanted to ask you, would you have a problem with telling someone no if they made a request of you to do something unethical or immoral because of your position? No, ma'am, I would not have a problem saying no. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Piagentini. Councilman Piagentini will be on the screen up here. You'll see on the video board to your okay. left. To your left. Okay. 
Hi, Ms. Jenkins. Thanks very much. Uh, and and uh, uh, thanks for taking your time today and, and being a part of this interview process. Could you do me a favor? And, and number one, I, I'm a big fan of um, prior Councilwoman Dorsey, now uh, Deputy Chief of Staff Dorsey. And uh, could you talk a little bit about what you uh, liked about her leadership style? And also, you already mentioned the three things that you believe are the most important issues, but could you quickly talk about what you would like to do to address them? Thank you. Hey, thank you. Her leadership style, um, now uh, Chief of Staff Dorsey, her leadership style as Councilwoman Dorsey for our area was very progressive and uh, straightforward. She did a lot of things to help move our community forward and to help grow our community with um, even with the seniors in mind and how it would be more beneficial to our community and what we could do to become progressive. Like, let's see, how what's the best way I can put this? Tomorrow's gonna come. And I believe Ms. Dorsey saw that and she understood that we can no longer remain the same. We can't keep doing things the same way. We can't keep ignoring certain things because they are going to happen. Um, and we needed to be more proactive in that. And I really admired that about her. She took a stance and she was bold in her actions and in the things that she set forth for our community. And I want to continue that. Um, and then, I'm sorry, the other part to your question was, once again, please. Yes, no problem. You mentioned the three things that were the biggest issues in your community, but if you could just talk quickly about the, the ways you would like to tackle them or what you would like to do to address them. Okay, thank you. So my biggest focus, um, I have those are my three major ones. Of course, community is near and dear to my heart. Public safety is first and foremost. And living in the community, there is... Um, we need to refocus the officers onto trafficking of narcotics, uh, especially in the Barry Taylor area. The narco violence is being fueled by the illicit drug trade, and that is something that needs to be addressed. Also, I am not an advocate for no police. I believe we do need some level of policing to help us in our community, but we have to work hand in hand together. So that would be something that I would look at doing, how we could come together, bridge the gap in our community to make our neighborhoods safer. And with addressing some of the narco violence in the community, I believe that will also um, steer off some of the gun violence that we're also seeing and that it's starting to pop up in our community in District 3. As far as uh, lack of food options, I think that may be a little self-explanatory. So we would have to look at how we can find more grocery stores, more uh, available resources, especially for the seniors that live in the community, how they can have more access to food as well. And the last was economic development. My concern is that District 3 may suffer a little because only a small portion of District 3 may be eligible for the opportunity and the, t and the TIF. 
the tax increment funding. So I would like to look at options or have opportunities to also ensure economic development and look at jobs. But that's something that we would discuss later. <laughs> Thank you, Councilman Arthur. Thank you for your question. Peace. Uh, which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Um, well, I would say all of them because all of them have allowed me to gain the experience um, working hand in hand with the community. Um, even now with my job, I have transitioned from one position that was more hands-on in the community to a promotion and myself being also the justice of the peace for district three that keeps me in the community where i can engage people and get to know what their concerns are for my community thank you councilman reed thank you mr president and uh, thank you Ms. jenkins if uh, funding were no op uh, no obstacle uh, and you could wave a magic wand, what do you think would be the first thing that you would want to fund in your district and why? I think it would be, you said no op, no money was no, no, no barrier. Object. Yeah. Um, food sources and um, affordable housing. If we can provide food, when I studied, there was a, um, one of the great philosophers said that you can't expect people to think and live when they're paraphrasing, of course, but you can't expect people to think and live when they're hungry or in poverty. And when we have, don't have adequate food sources, that creates an environment that we see now. People are struggling and home, we have people that are being displaced, people that don't have affordable housing. So if we can get those two under, I think if we could get those two, then we would have a better um, quality of life. Thank you for your answer. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Mr. President. So I don't have so much of a question for you, Mrs. Jenkins, as a point of clarity. Yes. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you feel like there that there is some level of policing that is a healthy uh, level. Uh, could you clarify for us whether you believe that that level involves more police officers than we have today or fewer? I believe that we should have dedicated police officers that are a that serve the community and wear their uniform and their badge with integrity and bring back pride to the force or to continue to have the pride in on the force um, i think once our community starts to see that there are more good officers than bad or more good officers that shine and 
they become comfortable again. There is a level of comfortability that our community doesn't have. There is a level of mistrust. But I don't want to get into the weeds in that because I don't believe that we should be without some form of policing. I just feel that we should be more particular and more intentional as to the type of officers or the persons that wear the uniform and display the badge. Does that make sense? It, it, it does, and I completely okay. agree with you. Um, but it doesn't really address the question I asked. Uh, is, is that level of highly, uh, of high character and integrity police officers more or less than what we have today? I think as the city begins to grow and develop, we will need more police officers on our force. I mean, we will eventually need to have more officers. They're looking for more officers to recruit now. Um, I wouldn't say that there should be less officers. I do think, like I said, I really do firmly believe in the integrity of the officers that we have. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Batchelor. Thank you, Ms. Jenkins, for coming. I'll keep it simple. Um, do you think we have a gang problem in our city and how do you plan to combat? Oh, Jesus, okay. <laughs> um, do you want me to finish? Okay, so yes, given my job, I do believe that it's more of an issue with um, resources. Our youth have nothing really to do in a lot of areas and providing them with something to do. Um, we, this does not impress them. You know, when I was coming up, and Ms. Purvis can attest to this, Councilwoman Purvis, that you wanted to be active in government. Seeing a city council person or a leader in your community was impressive, um, but that no longer attracts their attention. Their video games, cell phones, everything is here. And it's, they have no engagement, but we have to learn to engage them where they are in order to save our youth. So the, we do have gangs, unfortunately. We have young people that are being targeted by persons when they see that they have no guidance, single parent family, always working. I don't mind as a devil's workshop, right? So we have to give our kids something to engage them and to stimulate them in a different area. And even if they are into video games, use that as a tool to grasp their attention and help cultivate them in a different area or get them um, involved in government or have other role models that they can see where they want to have a career or people that are doing what they may think that they want to do later on. So I wouldn't per se necessarily a gang problem, yes, LMPD, the FBI, and some of the other law enforcement agencies have identified certain youths and persons here in our community and groups, um, isolated, well, groups, we'll call them groups, that are perpetuating or committing a lot of the crimes that we see in our city. But to call it a gang, 
would kind of allude to the fact that all of our young people are gang involved and are lost, and I don't subscribe to that. I do think these are people that live in our community, and it could be your nephew, your child, your child's best friend, and we have to understand it also takes parents to getting involved once again in the lives of their kids. Um, parents have to be held accountable. You're not with your child 24-7, so your child can be an angel in front of you, but a terror at school. And sometimes parents have to really honestly have a come to Jesus moment and acknowledge the truth about their own kids. And it's kind of hard to do at times. Ms. Jenkins, we've got a couple more questions, if you'll bear with us, and just yeah. ask you sort of for yes, concise sir. answers. Councilwoman McCraney. It's okay. But thank you for your question. Ms. Jenkins, thank you for being here today. I would like to ask, first of all, thank you for uh, running for office and being chosen as the Justice of the Peace for District 3. But given that role and your role in Metro government, what are your plans moving forward with those two if you were chosen? to be seated in District 3? Do you see it both either or as a conflict of interest? Okay, so I understand that being appointed, I would not be able to hold an elected position that I have resolved myself to stepping down from justice of the peace. Although I love marrying people, I can still <laughs> do that. Um, but yes, I would, if selected, I would step down from being justice of the peace. As far as my job, that would, to my understanding, would be up to my employer. And if my employer chose to allow me to take a leave of absence, then I would take a leave of absence. Or if I had to step down, then I would step down. Thank you, and Councilwoman Hawkins. Thank you, Mr. President. Thanks for being here today. I have a question. So <clears throat> your thoughts of Park Hill. I'm sorry? Your, your thoughts of Park Hill. Okay. Park Hill housing. Okay. Okay. That is a part of District 3. It's okay. one of the most underserved part of District, District 3. Yes. Are you familiar with that area? I am. Actually, when I started, when I moved here, I'm not going to say when because it's being recorded, right? Okay, when I moved here, my first um, uh, introduction to service for the community was the Neighborhood Place Bridges of Hope Community Council in Park Hill. And I also worked in Park Hill at the time in the office. And some of my coworkers come from Parks and Recs in Park Hill. So yes, I'm very familiar with Park Hill. Okay, what are your thoughts about it? It being underserved? Correct. It, I agree. It is a very underserved community. It is a community, and for the longest time, it had the worst stigma. When people refer to Park Hill, they think of the one small housing section, but it's actually a whole area, and it is oftentimes forgotten about. There are a lot of children over there that really need our services, and they need to... Um, have more than just a playground over there. Um, with In my job, we do have some project specialists that were originally assigned to that area. I'm not for sure um, what they 
have accomplished in that area. But as far as our department, we were very active and that was the top of the six neighborhoods that we were addressing over there. Did that answer your question? It's fine, it's fine. Ms. Jacobs, you have one minute to, for any closing thoughts. Okay, um, so <laughs> some of these questions, you did catch me a little off guard, but thank you, because it made me think. So I really appreciate that from all of you. Um, in, I would like for you to know with running for this appointment today, I am interested in this appointment so that I could better serve or serve my community more. I love this city. I moved here when I was very young. The city has developed me and helped me grow into the woman that I am. So this is home for me. And everywhere I go, I choose to be better I choose to make my environment better and do what I can to serve and to the utmost, it is my desire to serve. I want you to know I am a leader of vision, continuity, commitment, and determination. I look forward to working with all of you on both sides of the aisle. If appointed to this seat, I would be elated at the opportunity to be able to do more for this city that I love. And I thank each and every one of you in this council and council president for your time and this opportunity. Thank you all. Thank God you, Ms. Jenkins. If you'd like to watch the remaining interviews, you may in the conference room. You're under no obligation to do so, but we appreciate your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the next candidate. Jared Randall. Mr. Randall, welcome. Uh, you'll sit right here. Uh, if the green light's not on, you'll turn the microphone on with the green light, uh, with the button under the green light. You'll have three minutes uh, for an opening statement. We'll have about 10 minutes for questions. We just ask that you please uh, keep your answers fairly concise to allow people to ask uh, a couple of questions. And uh, then you'll have one minute at the closing. And whenever you're ready, you may begin. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a... I'm a member, uh, part of the Taylor Berry Group for Neighborhood Association. Uh, I just basically I just go to the meetings. I've been to every meeting in 2022. I spoke in front of Metro Council three times in last year, 2022, um, uh, about issues in our neighborhood uh, with the parks uh, and uh, other things. Uh, I got into this. Uh, there's people on my street that were uh, um, uh, unfortunately victims of violence and I knew two of them an uh, old guy and a younger uh, girl um, uh, also uh, I just I just started I just started slowly analyzing my neighborhood and seeing different things that are wrong with it uh, I've lived in different places in Louisville over the years, and I started noticing things that were different from my neighborhood compared to uh, other neighborhoods. Um, um, and um, I just think, in general, I think neighborhoods need to be looked at uh, from a uh, more of a micro level than a macro level. I know there's a lot of fights between South and West that are saying we need to um, do this for the South or do this for the West, but I think every neighborhood has specific problems 
and things they need, and I think there needs to be studies on them, uh, community-led studies to uh, help fix those problems. Like uh, in my neighborhood, it, it takes, if you want to get a job, it takes three uh, TARP buses to go to get a job at GE. There's uh, issues with uh, nonstop liquor stores every 200 feet. Um, uh, and obviously nothing positive for the community is going to open up over there um, as long as we don't have, if we don't start making some residential zoning laws or stuff like that. Um, uh, I noticed, I even noticed like the kids in the park when the, the uh, they had the parents had to use their headlights to light the park up for the cheerleading and the kids and uh, football leagues and stuff, which is one of the few things positive going on in our neighborhood at that section. And uh, so I came before y'all twice last year and asked for money for that. Uh, I, I met with uh, Metro Parks uh, last year about football goals and other things, and, never, and they we were promised that, and it never happened. Um, I'm, I'm just basically a community activist for my neighborhood, and that's part of the reason I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Reed. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Mr. Randall, for uh, appearing in front of us. Uh, I know it's not easy. It probably comes off a little bit as a tribunal, and I have a great deal of appreciation for everybody that's uh, come before you today as well. My question is actually, wh what are your three priorities for the district? If you could rank them for us, and also tell us if you were to be elected, selected, what your funding priorities would be as well. Um, I think public transportation is a big part of it. There's, uh, there's a lot of people on my street that do not have vehicles. And I think, I, I, personally, I think there should be a TARC bus. Uh, UPS has it kind of for the TARC bus for the part-time part of UPS at certain parts of Louisville or by UofL. But I personally, I think there should be a TARC bus um, for major employers that pick people up from different poor neighborhoods in Louisville like West and uh, um, uh, Teller Barry Jacobs or whatever and take them directly there and they don't have any other stops. Uh, and I also think there should be more tar uh, bus shelters. Um, I feel like community relations between police and uh, kids is really bad in my neighborhood. Uh, I feel like you need, uh, I, I, there's a, I know, uh, uh, Paulin is uh, doing, a guy named Paulin is doing uh, the PAL program. It started last year. I think that's a good idea. And I think it needs to be expanded to uh, parks because some of the kids, the kids that are most, I think kids are, uh, need to be focused on. And I think kids in the age group, seventh grade, eighth grade, into high school are the ones more likely to fall off track. And, and if they don't, if, they, if they're being, I know JCPS is working on that, but if they're being bused all the way across town and they have to take two and three TARC buses home and they can't play sports, I think sports play, uh, 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 promote a healthy lifestyle between, uh, uh, for kids and keep them away from gangs and drugs. And uh, I think PAL could help with that uh, and community relations with that too. But I also think, uh, the, I think community centers would be, uh, need to be a factor in that too. I know in New York City they had some called uh, Midnight Basketball and Tutoring Program, um, uh, where it was late night, 24/7. I think the most vulnerable kids are the ones 
that have parents that don't have the cars or the working parents or whatever, and it's like the kids by himself playing basketball at night um, uh, that doesn't have a good home life. And I think those are the kids you need to focus on. I think it's seventh and eighth grade is usually when kids get into involved with gangs, at, usually at that age. Uh, at least that's where my experience growing up in Louisville. Um, all right. Um, uh, I better stop because I'll talk all day. So, all right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. <clears throat> Councilman Purvis. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for being here. Mr. Randall, I just have a few questions for you. I'd like to know what would you have done differently to improve the quality of living for those in your neighborhood? Uh, you referenced some of the, your neighbors, I guess, being victims of crime and what have you. So I'd like to know what would you have done differently at that time if you were the council person representing District 3? Um, I think uh, there's a lot of neighborhoods in Louisville that have, because uh, uh, they're their own city. Obviously, our neighborhood can't afford its own police department. Uh, I think they should have an LMPD, uh, LMPD cop with a, uh, uh, a car that has uh, maybe maybe has says Jacobs on it or uh, uh, Taylor Berry on it and get to know the people that live in that neighborhood just like some of the small cities in Louisville are doing now with like St. Matthews and J-Town or uh, whatever, uh, Rowan Hills Plantation, whatever. Uh, I feel like you, uh, if you have a relationship with a community cop, I think you're talked to what's going on and if you have police patrols, you're, you're it makes everybody feel safer, uh, and I think there'd be less criminal element in that neighborhood if you got people driving through. I, I haven't seen police patrols in Teller Barry on a regular basis in years. Since I've been there, I don't know if I've ever seen them. They show up really fast when something happens, but, but, but they're, never, they're, they're nowhere to be seen just driving through the neighborhood waving at people. And I, I think that's, a, that's obviously an issue and it needs to be addressed. And I think you could address it by just maybe taking an LMPD cop and putting a, simply just painting his car or saying that neighborhood on it and say, this is your neighborhood to work on community relations with that person, uh, even though we don't have the money to uh, afford our own police department like uh, maybe St. Matthews does or whatever, because we're in a poorer area of town. But, uh, I don't know. Again, I'll stop because I'll probably talk all day. All right, thank you. Councilman Batcham. Uh, excuse me. I had Sorry. another question. Yeah, okay. sure. Go ahead. I'm, I'm reading your resume, and you mentioned your grandfather being one of the three founding members of the Turner. Is it the club on River Road where they have the pool and the, and the uh, gymnastics? No, he is not. Uh, he's not a... Uh, uh, he didn't start Turner's uh, years and years ago. They have different clubs up there, and uh, Turner's is all over the country. They have different. Uh, there's one out in Dixie. There's one on a River Road. Uh, um, he was one of the people that uh, started the uh, sports club down there years ago, which is a volunteer organization that nobody gets paid for. They just, it just people just play sports down there, basically like a softball leagues, and uh, they got swimming pools and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it was years ago, 
they did something like that. And uh, uh, my dad ran the softball leagues at Turner's, I think, for like 20 years. Uh, and he didn't get paid a dime for it. Um, and I think that's where I get some of that stuff from is like uh, I, I've done stuff for free in my past where I don't get paid a dime for it with sports. Um, so uh, I hope that so answers your I question. So I hate to cut you off, but I, I wanted to know about what is your take on diversity? District 3 is a very diverse district, white, black, young, old, men, women, poor, middle class. And the reason why I reference Turner's is if my memory served me right, this was a, a, an organization or a club that back uh, early uh, 60s, 70s, that did not allow African Americans to uh, take part in anything at that facility. So I'm concerned about your stance on diversity, saying that you are affiliated with someone that was a founding member of that club. Again, um, I was not a, my family wasn't a family member of that club. They, uh, my dad ran the softball leagues down there and he never had any issue with having black people there. I mean, if you're, if you're accusing me of that, I, I'm not currently involved with Turner's, I never was. I just grew up down there when my dad ran the softball leagues. So uh, if you're, so as far as that goes, I mean, I've, if you're, uh, I work with people that none of y'all will work with. I work with people at prisons. Uh, on Christmas day, I had a Christmas party for the prisoners. Uh, on Martin Luther King Day, I wore a uh, uh, Malcolm X and uh, uh, Martin Luther King shirt on, and um, uh, I, uh, we had bingo for them. You can anybody can do this. You can go to these uh, do uh, uh, volleyball leagues with them, church groups, whatever. And I made up questions from those uh, uh, that people didn't know about those two people. The only two time in history that uh, Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X were together was um, uh, uh, in that picture when they, when they were in D.C. And I, uh, if you don't realize Malcolm X, where he became a good public speaker, is when he was uh, in prison, he memorized the dictionary. That's one of the questions uh, uh, I asked him, and you give him prizes. Um, so... Uh, as far as way back when, I, I, the whole country was different back then than when I grew up, so I don't know. But just for the record, sir, I was not accusing you. I was asking you your take on diversity, saying that you had mentioned that your grandfather was one of the founding members of a club that practiced discrimination. Thank you. Councilman Batch. Thank you, Mr. Jer uh, President Jared. Um, Real quick question, uh, just also, very, I got very something simple. else again. Uh, we have 10 they, seconds. Um, again, my grandfather my, uh, was not a founder member of the club. That's mistaken. My, my uh, dad ran the softball leagues down there. <coughs> my grandfather started a, a club inside the club called the Sports Club that just helped run sport, uh, softball leagues and horseshoe leagues. That's all that was. They didn't have nothing to do with the founding Thank of the club. Thank you. Councilman Batcher. Uh, 
Councilman Hawkins, anything else you need to ask? Uh, yes. I, have a, um, I want to respond to the remark that you said when you said that none of us have worked with uh, people in prison. That's not true. I've worked with people in prison, all different types of people from different cultures. And um, I, I my, applaud you for that. Thank you. I just felt like I was being attacked, so I just, oh, okay. and I, I really did feel like No that. problem. Okay. Um, the question that I have is, what inspired you to run, or what inspired you to want to, to be appointed for this seat? Um, what inspirations, or, you know, I know you said that you came in front of Metro Council a few times for different things. So what actually inspired you? Uh, I just, there's a lot of problems in my neighborhood, and I feel like we're a very per small percentage of that vote. Like, I think we're like, Taylor Berry is like 20, 30 percent. Shelby's like 70 or something like that. And I feel like uh, my neighborhood needs a voice. And um, I'm a, and I, I also support Shamika and uh, uh, Garan Crump with this. I'm friends with both of them. Okay. So. Um, well, we're not, we're not just speaking on them. I just okay. wanted to ask those questions. So what you're saying is, is that you're, you're wanting to be the spokesperson for just that small area because district, district three, you have a broader area than just the area that you live in. Are you aware of that? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, it's part Shively. It's, I think it's a little bit Algonquin. It's part Teller Berry. I just, I just felt like somebody from that area should jump up to the plate too. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Arthur. Peace. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't even looking at you when you were saying it. I thought you were in here. Uh, can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Uh, just, I think just working with kids. I think there's a lot of kids falling off track right now. So uh, I just, I, I've done that in the past. So uh, I, I try to get something going and uh, with uh, community relations with Powell in my neighborhood in the parks. Um, and I, I tried, I applied for funding from OSHA last year and I didn't get it, but, um, uh, I, the, the relations are really bad in my neighborhood with the cops and kids. And I think pal could help with that. And, um, I remember there was a kid, uh, well, I don't want to get into stories. It's just, all right. Thank you. Councilman Shanklin. Thank you, Mr. Pre uh, Mr. President. Um, my concern was when he was talking about, well, you were talking about parks and that it's one particular park that doesn't have lights and that the residents have to cut the car lights on to so the kids can play basketball and all of that. Have you contacted council person in that area or the parks department? Because we need to look into that because all parks are supposed to have lights in them. Uh, yes, I spoke in front of Metro Council twice last year uh, uh, requesting funding for the lights. Uh, I, uh, I met with Margaret from uh, uh, um, Metro, Park. Mar Metro Parks. She said she was going to uh, put in, uh, 
she was going to uh, look into certain things. David James said he did get funding for that. I don't know what the status is at when I spoke in front of y'all at one point in time. Uh, and, and Margaret said she was going to look into getting football goals for the kids and uh, put some stumps in last year because there are people are doing donuts out there and uh, uh, that uh, still has not to happen. Right. Sometimes it, it takes a little while with Metro Parks because I put funding in and I'm still waiting. So don't give up. It's going to happen if they tell you that they're going to put lights in or whatever. Uh, just hang in there on it and they're going to take care of that part. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Andrew. You have one minute to, for any closing thoughts. Um, I just, uh, in general, um, I just, I appreciate y'all's time and um, just please don't forget about our neighborhood. It's, uh, I think, I think, I really think they should have paid community people for our neighborhood, kind of like shively has got his own mayor, but maybe something needs to be put together. Cause right now you got like Christine and Rex and me and uh, just doing it on the side for like an hour a day or, uh, or whatever on our own time. And it's not enough to have a neighborhood that size to just have like a couple of people just uh, uh, trying to fight for it on our own. Um, and um, uh, and I, I appreciate all y'all, what y'all do in the community and, uh, and um, thank y'all. Mr. Reno, thank you for your time. Uh, if you'd like to watch the other interviews you may in the conference room, you're under no obligation to do so, but we appreciate you uh, coming today. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the next candidate. Shamika Parrish Wright. Ms. Parrish Wright, welcome. Uh, you're gonna sit right here. Uh, the green light means the microphone's on, so um, you will have three minutes to open. Uh, then we'll have about 10 minutes of questions. We'd ask that you just keep your answers concise so we can get through multiple questions. You have a minute to close. Uh, there are several people in the room. If anybody online, you'll see them on their left, okay? And you'll see a timer coming up on the screen on the right whenever you start. Okay. But your three minutes will begin whenever you're ready. All right, thank you. Good evening. My name is Shamika Parrish Wright, and I would love to be considered for the Louisville Metro Council District 3 appointment. Thank you for this opportunity to share and tell you the type of colleague I will be. I am a verified bridge builder that is solutions focused. I live to help people fix, build, and create. I come to you with the support of nearly 20,000 voters in Jefferson County and lots of real people power. Not because social, of what social media says or what Google says when you Google my name, it's the ability to listen, to show up, and act consistently. Many people in Louisville know I embody what our beautiful city needs to grow in the most inclusive way. Well known for my work with the Bell Project where I helped scale the work across the state, managed a budget of over 12 million with no financial discrepancies, and was operations manager for two teams in different cities with separate budgets before I joined the national policy team. As you know, Jefferson County is home to 80 small and diverse cities and municipalities, excuse me. After meeting with many of them last year, I learned that too many field merger failed them from Anchorage to the South End to the West End. Although each community may have different needs, everyone wants a safe and prosperous life for themselves 
and their families. As District 3 representative, I want to make Louisville more equitable for all residents. My top priorities are public safety, with community input, health and wellness, government accountability, environmental justice, and affordable housing, and economic development. In my time working closely with Louisvillians, door knocking and attending all types of community gatherings, each of these items I just named as a priority were expressed as the most important to the residents from every zip code in Louisville. As someone who has experienced housing insecurity as a single mother and someone who has worked closely with incarcerated people as well as helping people start small businesses, I have a big vision for the city and its viable plans to achieve it. I'm excited to bring my unique experiences, including, including raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for businesses and programs, worked in partnership on progressive policy initiatives, managed groups and campaigns, assisted families with budgeting and proactive anti-gun violence programs with, with the arts, and I continue to help lead diverse groups of people to achieve goals for projects, actions, and campaigns. It is very important for you all to know that I care about my name in rooms like this and in the streets. Transparency is key. As a directly impacted person, I sit on many community boards and have been appointed to the Human Relations Commission. As most, as most recently, I was appointed um, in 2020 to the Shively City Civil Service as a commissioner that approves new police officers. And I'll end there and save the rest for my closing. Thank you. Uh, Councilman Batchen. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, thank you, Ms. Wright, for being here. Uh, we appreciate your um, putting your name in the hat. Um, transparency is key, obviously, and I would like to know, obviously, you know the district very well, and you do a lot of things in the community, um, and it doesn't go unnoticed. A real quick question is, do you think we have a gang problem in our city, and how do you feel like we should combat that Yes, I think we have a gang problem in our city, and I called it on my mayoral campaign the GGGs. We have gaps in services, we have grifters, people who suck up a lot of money and resources, and we have a lack of, of activities that are viable for our young people, and, and when we gut programs and services, it compacts the issue. I think violent decisions are made in boardrooms when it, every day, and those violent decisions turn to violence on the streets. So for me, a great solution besides having programs is um, that directly uh, relate to the people who are impacted by it. It's about listening to the young people and having them as a part of the decision making so they can tell us what they need. Now, young people are not the only ones creating violence. And just like drugs are in every community, violence is in every community. So I think we need initiatives that permeate across the city. And I've offered ideas around 24-hour services, trauma response, and all those things to me will help change what we see happening in violence. I appreciate that response, but just, just, just to simplify it, do you think we have street drug gangs and criminal activity happening in our city? Yes, we do. How do you plan on combating that? I plan on working with all of you to come up with initiatives and listening to the community, especially the people who are impacted by the gun violence. I know that there's group violence initiatives and things like that, but we're not reaching the masses of the communities. Our immigrant communities are also experiencing violence. So I plan to work with you all to have better solutions to change it. Thank you. Councilman Reed. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Ms. Uh, Parrish-Wright, for, uh, for coming to speak to us. 
you had mentioned uh, progressive policy initiatives as being one of your priorities. Can you explain that a little bit, please? So many times I've been here, it's been countless times I've been here to speak to Metro Council, but I mean, most recently, one of the um, progressive policies was um, the Second Chance Amendment of which former Councilwoman Dorsey called me to be a part of and I came here to share. Um, I, I've also been, unfortunately, I'm here when I don't want you to make bad decisions and I've also been here when you make good decisions around how we take care of our people stuck in poverty, how we take care of our homeless community, how we, um, we uh, for instance, I was here with Savvy Shabazz and Councilman Jacory Arthur, making sure that people who are incarcerated have voting rights if they're eligible and they're eligible to be registered to vote. Um, I've been back, back when we didn't have a housing trust fund. As a homeless person, I was a part of the housing action team to help establish a housing trust fund. I've lobbied you all, well, it wasn't all of you, because some of you are new, around making sure that we're a sanctuary city. Um, anything from livable wages to the STAR program that REACT was um, participating in, I've been here countless times. And, and helped advise and give and work with groups to help devise policy initiatives. Thank you. I just have one uh, quick follow-up question. That's a good answer. I appreciate your answer. Uh, you mentioned that you had outreach to suburban cities. What what did you learn from suburban cities? And I happen to represent 16, so I'm, I'm curious as to what you learned from them and how you feel their needs impacted uh, the way that you saw them, or did it impact your opinion at all? Yes, I, my visions are for the whole city. Even though I've lived in the West End, I lived in, in or worked in every corner of District 3, when I go out to suburban cities, and not just for the fundraisers, I'm having real conversations at the doors. Um, one of the things, and it's not funny, but I went to the Waterson Trail City Council, and they said they used to have a problem with rats, now they have a problem with cats. And I was supposed to make that a pit stop, but I stayed for that entire council meeting to the point where I saw half of the, the council, half of the people in the audience raise their hand to say that they're actually paying for food to feed the cats because they have a cat problem. They feel like Louisville Metro Animal Services left them hanging and so they had to step in. But there was a gentleman there who owned this home who was on a fixed income who said that every month he's spending almost $200 for it and he, all he wanted that council to do was to allot some money to have cat food. Um, I've, when I went to Anchorage, they had a problem with some of the neighbors had bamboo growing and bamboo is very evasive and that was an issue. What I've learned as I've went to every community is that I'm, our community might care about recycling, another community might want their alleyways lit up or their streets um, lit up, one might want more people to come and get involved and engage, but every community had a unique need. And as Louisville Metro government merged, they were made a lot of promises that they felt like aren't kept. So I just listen, I show up and I listen and all those needs vary across the city. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilman Arthur. Peace, which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Wow, great, great question. I like to think all of them do, um, but um, now I am the executive director of Vocal Kentucky. I've had 
I've asked them to pass out that brochure to show the difference of what that is. But anything that's about dismantling poverty, um, anti-racist work, of course, I'm well known for that kind of work and bail reform, but actually I'm a worker bee. I've been in the workforce over 30 years, 25 of those years has been with no nonprofits. And so I understand the ins and the out from every entry level to executive. I would say all of my nonprofit work is connecting to dismantling poverty, and I wanna make sure that we end racist practices. So I started with the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. I would have to say because of the connection it made for many of you that I know here and in the community, that was one of the most impactful positions. I started as an intern, became a community organizer, became a board member, became a co-chair, and now I advise that board. Councilwoman Chambers Armstrong. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Ms. Parrish-Wright, for being with us. Um, I'm curious, so you do such um, important work in the community and you do so much of it. Talk to me a little bit about how you would balance the work you're currently doing with being a council member um, and what other obligations you might have and sort of how you would um, find balance with all of that. Thank you for that question. Uh, I think out of all the candidates, and I know most of them, I'm the most positioned to do so. I have a great deal of flexibility in my salary position. If there is ever an issue that I would have to recuse myself, I know how to do that. I've always had to wear multiple hats, not just in my professional career, but in my life. I've, I was a mother at 15. I always went to college, worked, and raised a family. I know how to take get off boards and commissions if I need to, if there's a conflict. Um, and like I said, even during the 2020 protests, I was on the Shavley Civil Service Commission approving new officers. No one knew that but I took the time out. I rank all of the boards. I'm on the La Casita Center Board. I'm on the Homeless Coalition Board. I rank those like, like anything. It's a personal, professional, and community effort. They all know my intentions is to be there, to be the voice for the community, but to serve in a bigger way. And so for me, I know how to prioritize because it's important for the community to see me in these different roles. I looked at the, the bylaws, I've looked at the statutes and the way that Metro Council and Metro Government is set up. I know that there is a staff. I know how to manage the staff both remotely and in person. I won't just 100% lean on the staff. I know how to step in and give them that support they need. I've managed staff in two different states, two different cities, two different budgets, and help my community board positions. I believe in being an active board member and not just a rubber stamp. So if I have to give something more priority, if I have to stay late, which I have in many Metro Council meetings, I've been here to 11 and 12, like some of you, and I've been in zoning and planning meetings to three and four in the morning, well, however late they went. I am committed to do that, and I'm in a great position to do that right now today. Thank you. Councilman Piagentini. Yes, good, uh, good afternoon. You, you mentioned earlier in one of your responses that you'd adv advocated for the city being a sanctuary city. Can you, can you help me understand what that means? That was so when uh, the issues came up and there was issues around how our immigrant families were treated and if our Louisville Metro Police Department was to go out and help the federal ICE folks collect and gather people. And we made a commitment as a city that we won't use our natural resources to do so and that if ICE is going to do their work, they should do it. Even our local jail made the commitment that they don't work for ICE. And if there's, there are situations that overlap and so it was important. Back then, my councilwoman was councilwoman Jessica Green and I went to talk with her and other 
other council members about why it was important for us to be a sanctuary city because we have a great deal of immigrants in our communities who are growing. We have one of the biggest Cuban immigrant community and I actually worked with a lot of refugees from Bosnia in previous jobs that I had. So I want them to feel safe and secure and to be the productive citizens they're trying to be. So it was important for that to happen right here. Mr. President, quick follow-up. Uh, yeah, thank you for highlighting our immigrant immigrant community. Uh, they're by and large a, a legal immigrant community and that they immigrated here using legal means, uh, specifically the, the, the huge Cuban-American uh, group, which you, you mentioned is our number one uh, immigrant community. Uh, with that said, what you're advocating for is for the city not to cooperate with federal uh, authorities. What other laws would you advocate that we not participate with the federal government with? For example, it's their responsibility to enforce civil rights legislation. Uh, would you advocate for us to not assist them in the, uh, in the furtherance of promoting civil rights? I have never and will never ask anyone to break the law and not follow the laws. What I've asked, and maybe I wasn't clear, is that our city doesn't actively go out and help in those ways that they're not required to, that our Louisville Metro Police Department can focus on solving the murders and the crimes that we have that still go unsolved, that we use our resources to benefit the Louisvillians that are trying to live here and have a successful life. If someone breaks the law, there are things in place for them, and I have never asked anybody to obstruct and not follow that. So I just wanna be clear. I didn't want us making a special trip out just to go to a community where we know immigrant people are, just to go in there and harass them and arrest them needlessly. If, it, if they've done something to break the law, if they have an eviction or whatever, there are protocols in place to handle that. So I just wanna be clear, I never asked anybody to break the law. Understood, thank you. Councilwoman Hawkins. Thanks, Mr. President. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. First, I wanna say thank you for being here. Wanna tell you that I feel like that you're very qualified um, I see you a lot. Boots are definitely to the ground. Uh, but I want to ask, what inspired you? What inspired you to want the seat for District 3? You're very knowledgeable. You, I know you ran for mayor. Um, I just want to know what inspired you to want to run for District 3. Thank you, Councilwoman. I'm a servant and I'm a worker bee. When we saw each other in person, we were in, we got called to a person's court case that we both ended up knowing. And we were there with Dr. Ricky Jones. And in that process, we were there to show that that person had turned their life around and that we were advocating for them. I do that and I'm not paid to do it. I show up for the community. I, we bought a house. I, I have not been shy about struggling with homelessness. And the last time I was homeless was in 2014. In 2018, we bought a home in Shively. Immediately, I was contacted by people in Shively to run for that city council. And even during my run for mayor, I was contacted to run for Representative Joni Jenkins seat and Mayor Beverly Chester Burton seat. If I was somebody that wasn't committed to the city, people wouldn't call me. Every day, I'm helping to solve and help people address problems and issues. And that's exactly what I want to do on Metro Council. I care that there's too many cats or dogs that are running around. I care that somebody can't get enough money to fix their porch or their fence. I care that people feel like their recycling isn't picked up. And I feel like at this point in my life, I'm best positioned to serve and I'm best positioned to adjust and do what's needed for the community. I'm here and I've always shown up in Louisville to be a servant. That's what I plan to be. Okay, quick question real quick. I wanna add to that. 
You also said that uh, Councilwoman Dorsey, now Chief Dorsey, uh, had called you about a second chance program. Can you enlighten us a little bit about if you assisted her with that? Yes, I testified please? here. Um, I, it was a second chance legislation. And I think it was before your labor and uh, your labor committee. And she asked me to call to be on board. She wanted to make sure that people with justice involved um, backgrounds are able to get um, contracts and things like that and, and abilities to improve the city or grow their businesses or opportunities. And so she called me. She's called me many times. Anytime any council person has called on me to come and show up to either support good legislation or stand against bad legislation, I've been here. And, and even though I didn't make all of her council meetings, I made many. And when the district expanded to Taylor Berry and all those areas, I was one of the only people who showed up to some of those meetings. Councilwoman Dorsey and I talked for over an hour and a half. Well, she talked more than me in that case. Over an hour and a half when this seat came available and she told me her vision and what her and Couture was working on, I had no issues with what's working right. I just want to continue whatever was good and also offer the, the extended district the vision and voice they deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Pierce. Uh, one minute closing. Oh, I get to go back to that. Okay. Um, I have already stayed late in meetings, and I told you that. I've also worked as a lobbyist in Frankfurt when I worked for the Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and so I know that we need more of a voice there. I've worked in Frankfurt the last five legislative sessions doing bail reform work. I always support our local unions and stand in solidarity because I have been in the workforce, like I said, for over 30 years. No hidden agenda here. I want to continue to serve my community and city in a bigger way. That is all. And I want to bring the experiences, the direct lived experiences to this, to this um, Metro Council. And I feel like I can do a great job. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Ms. Pichard, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you are welcome to stay and watch the other interviews in the conference room. You're under no obligation to do so. So <laughs> downstairs, yes, downstairs. Thank you so much. Uh, Madam Clerk, uh, please call the next candidate. Cassandra Colon. Ms. Colon, welcome. You're going to sit right here in the front, yes. Um, the microphone's already on. Uh, you're going to get, yeah, right in this chair right here, yes. Uh, you're going to have a three-minute opening. We're going to have about 10 minutes of questions. Uh, anybody online is going to be on the screen to your left up here. Everybody in the room, obviously, to your right. Um, You'll have one minute to close at the end, I'll tell you, all that time. Uh, there's a countdown clock that's gonna be on this screen here that'll just sort of help you. And we'll just ask that you keep your answers fairly concise so that we can get through as many questions as possible. Whenever you're ready, your three minutes will start and uh, we'll turn it over to you. Okay, thank you. Good afternoon to everybody. Good evening, rather. How you doing? My name is Cassandra Colon. I am a Louisville native, been born and raised here. I'm a graduate of the University of Louisville where I have a uh, Bachelor of Arts in History and Pre-Law. I attended law school in Los Angeles, California, where Fullerton, I attended. I didn't say I graduated, I attended, okay. And um, I've also attended the local elementary and high schools here, graduate of uh, Central High School. I have been blessed with the fact that I live in the same home that my mother was born in and with her 11 brothers and sisters. It was my grandfather and grandmother's home. It passed to my mother and it passed to me, which means I am the recipient of generational wealth. It's not that much money, but it's my generational wealth. 
I have been involved in my community my entire life. Uh, my grandmother and my family has just been a service family. We were the type of family where everyone came over. When I was a child, there was a bench on my back porch. I didn't know what that bench was for, but my grandmother, who had 11 children at that time, whenever she finished feeding her children, if there was anybody in the neighborhood who could not afford to feed their child, they were sitting on that bench, and my grandmother would peek out the door and take them a plate. So our home has been that type of home. We've always been a community family, and working and being involved with the family and others um, in my community is just a great thing that I want to do. So when I saw this opening for District 3, I find that District 3 is a very diverse community. I'm a, from a diverse family. Um, my great-grandmother is from Dublin, Ireland. My grandmother is from Kentucky. My father is from Salinas, Puerto Rico. And um, I'm confused all the time, so. Um, but we've just had a lot of uh, diverse family as I was growing up, so I'm comfortable with anywhere I go and anybody I talk to. And I love talking with children and senior citizens. Those are my two greatest uh, joys. I like to see our children, teenagers in particular, to get back on track. Uh, I don't want to see them just become a part of our generation that has disappeared. Uh, and at the rate we're going with the uh, violence that's in our communities, uh, we're losing a lot of them. We have a very valuable resource in our senior city, citizens uh, community. These people are just brimming with resources. Good, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Klein. Uh, Councilman Arthur, he'll be on the screen to your left. Peace. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Um, I would say that um, my experience um, working in the um, teaching profession and in as a law clerk. I used to do law clerk for J. Bruce Miller when I lived here in Louisville. And um, I had an opportunity to see all different forms of life, what things people were going through. And I think my experience of working in the uh, county attorney's office at that time gave me an insight into the kind of problems that our communities were having, um, especially our kids. And I think that having that opportunity to work in the office to see those kids and what they were going through that I was able to reach out to them and say that, you know, there's a different path for you to go. And so I think that my experience of working um, in the county attorney's office and working in the teaching profession just gave me a better insight to what our children are now facing and what I can do to help them improve on that. Councilman Reed. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and uh, thank you for uh, for coming and speaking with us, Ms. Cologne. Uh, question, um, what are your three priorities in your district, the three biggest pressing issues in your district, and if money was no option, if funding was no option, how would you rank them in terms of how they would be funded? Um, 
First of all, we have a uh, situation with our police department, okay? I'm not for defunding the police department because we have to have our police department. We need some kind of order in our communities. But we need to have more training and start putting um, policemen out on the job that are more in tune with the communities in which they work. If you don't know the community in which you work, if you don't know the people in those communities, you cannot help them. You are going to be a more of a problem for them because that fear factor on both sides is going to keep them from ever coming together. So I would put money into making sure we have foot patrols in our neighborhoods and communities. Um, let everybody get to know each other. I think that bringing down the walls of fear, misunderstanding, communication, uh, improving the acts of communication, that would be my first thing. Second thing in my community is we need more jobs. We need to make sure that our community has jobs and resources so that people can feel better about themselves. If you don't have a job, if you don't have uh, ways to sustain your um, bills, um, buy groceries and food, put a roof over your house, it causes a problem. So I would put more money into jobs and teaching people more about communication, um, training more people on how to use computers. A lot of people think, well, that can use a computer. Well, I know a lot of people that can turn them on, but they can't go any further than that. So we need to get some training um, to broaden people's resources and communications on computers. And third uh, thing that I would invest in is our youth. Our youth is just going by the wayside. We're losing too many of them, and we don't need to do that. We need to create resources to uh, help our youth get back on track. And when I say get back on track, people keep wondering what I'm saying is this. They're no longer involved in their schoolwork like sh they should be. They're no longer involved in trying to look to a future. They don't even feel like they have a future. So we have to make sure that we get our educational systems back involved with our kids and our kids back involved in the educational systems. Thank you for your answers. Mm-hmm. Councilman Fowler. Um, thank you, uh, Mr. President. Uh, thank, I'm up on the screen, Ms. Collin, um, right here. Hi, thanks for being here today. Thank you. So this is just a simple question. What is it that drives you daily when you get out of bed in the morning? What is it, what is your quest to accomplish? Oh. You know, in a day, in a, in a normal days. And I, I can't, I'm just looking for your passion and, well, you know, as a servant. Okay. Well, my passion is, is the community. I would like to see people in my community happy. I don't see a lot of people in my community happy. They are being drugged down by all of the problems that we are facing out here today. We have to remember, we just came off of a two-year hi, uh, hiatus, as you would say, because of the coronavirus. People were yes. stuck in their homes. They didn't have anywhere to go. Um, they were like wild mice when they did get out, and there were still not places to go. So I would like to create more uh, avenues for them to be out and uh, enjoy life. And so there's some things that we need to do and just pull our community back into enjoying that life. Right now, they don't. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Councilman Batchin. 
Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Ms. Clone. Um, can you elaborate a little bit, please, on more money into jobs? Um, everybody's hiring. You know, how do you plan on getting people back to work? Well, we got to train people to get back to work the first place. You have a job opening, but those people may not be qualified for that job, or they may not have all the tools to fill the position. So when we have a job opening, that doesn't mean because it's open that you have the people to fill it. So we need to put our resources into making sure that when a person goes for the job, that they are equipped to handle that job, that they have no fear of not being able to get the job when they apply for it. And a lot of the children that we have out here applying for the job, we need to go back to the basics, reading and writing. A lot of people can't even fill out an application. So we have to make sure that we get people involved back into how to get a job and how to maintain the job once they get it. Uh, Mr. President, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that question a little bit. Um, in that regard, so it's kind of a two-part question here. Do you think we have a gang problem in our city? Um, I lived in Los Angeles at a time, so I feel like I could really talk on that part. You have somewhat of a gang problem, but Louisville doesn't even know what a gang problem is like they have in Los Angeles. We don't have areas that are completely controlled by gangs, which they do out there. We have kids that have gone astray because they don't know what else to do. They don't have anywhere else to turn. A gang is like a family to them. But I've found that I work with some gang members in Los Angeles, and some of those kids, like I said, they drop out of school. They drop out at the point where they don't know how to read, and they don't know how to write. They don't know which way to turn to succeed in life. So they join a gang. Do we have a gang problem here? Yes. Do you have a large gang problem? No. Not what, from what I've seen in other cities, no. So just to, why would the youth go and get a job if they can make more money in the gangs selling drugs? Well, like I said, a lot of times we think that those children want to stay in there and sell drugs, but once they learn that, okay, I've sold and I made that fast money, they got to look over their shoulder every day. After a while, you get tired of looking over your shoulder, but what else can I do? So we've got to show them that there's another avenue in this life that you can do besides being a drug dealer because that dies after a while, and so do you. Thank you. Councilwoman Chapel. Sure. Hi, Ms. Cologne. Um, you ran against me in last year's primary for the District 15 seat. Do you feel like the issues that District 3 faces is the same as District 15? In some areas, yes, and in most of the areas, no. Um, District 15 is stretched out more towards Goss Avenue, Eastern Parkway. Uh, the people have a better economic, um, better jobs, better homes, and um, they have more things to enjoy in your areas. In my area, they do not. Um, the kids have a park up the street in there from my house. There are more hypodermic needles on the ground than sand and rocks. They don't have anything they can do at that park. If they play basketball, we, the areas that were fenced in to protect them is gone. 
when that ball bounces out in the street, we have a chance of a child getting run over chasing a ball. We just don't have the um, atmosphere and happiness that I've seen in your community and mine. No, we don't. Councilwoman Hawkins. Thank you, President. Currently, the community is suffering from overdoses at a high rate. For example, the opiate crisis. What would you do to combat that issue? Well, first thing that I would do is that I've noticed in some of these smaller counties is they put these Norcon machines out. Uh, we need to get some because we've got kids like I've got three blocks, two blocks up away from my house. Uh, I was walking my dog and a girl OD'd right up on the corner as we were getting ready to pass by and they kept, the girl ran up to us and asked us if we had Norcon. I said, no, I don't have it. And some of the local fire stations, which we have a fire station in my community, they need to put some of those machines up there. A second thing is, is that people are getting involved with these drugs. Like I said, um, you would not believe how providing people another way of life uh, can help pull those people out of those situations. Um, and education is a big part of that. Our education system is very poor here in Kentucky. Yeah, I would say the lack of knowledge is, is, is definitely needed there, but the health department also provides those Norcans everywhere. Yeah, we don't have them in our neighborhood, no. Okay, they're in my neighborhood. Well, I, I would love to, to uh, whomever gets this position is to make sure that they okay. get them out so of our neighborhood. So they're not in District 3? No, ma'am, okay. no, ma'am. All right. Ms. Clone, you've got one minute to, um, for any closing thoughts. Okay, first of all, thank you all for having me here today. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I find that if uh, I'm able to uh, secure this position, uh, it's a very diverse community that I live in. There are the highs, highs, and the lowest of low, and I wanna see them come to a happy medium. I am um, a service family, that's the way I was raised helping people, making people feel comfortable when I talk to them, not talking down to them, but talking to them so that I can get a point across without making them feel like they think I'm better than them. I am just like you. I've had a different opportunity than you have, but trust me, I came from the same ground and roots that you did, and if I can make it, so can you. So that's what my goal would be, is to make sure that our diverse community has just as much chance as anybody else. Ms. Cologne, thank you so much for your time and interest. Uh, if you would like to watch the remainder of the interviews, you may do so in the first floor conference room. You're under no obligation to stick around, though. Okay. Uh, but we appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the next candidate. Kumar Rashad. Mr. Rashad, welcome. You're going to sit right here. Uh, the microphone is already on. Uh, you're going to have a three-minute opening. You'll see there's a timer in green on the right. It'll count down. Uh, we're going to have about 10 minutes for questions. We just ask you to keep your answers concise, and then you'll have a one-minute closing at the end. Uh, some of our panelists are going to be virtual, oh. so you may look to your left from time okay. to time for those questions. So whenever you're ready, you may begin, and your three minutes will start. Thank you. Dear distinguished members of the council, my name is Kumar Rashad, and I'm for upliftment, unity, and strengthening our community like a true cornerstone. I'm here to uplift home ownership, the educational communities, and protecting unionism. 
I'm a high school math teacher at Breck Metro, which is an alternative school for students who are products of the criminal justice system. I use my position as a teacher and a teacher union leader to defend and uplift our students, their families, and communities. In recent years, I joined the Ignite Leadership Team and helped create a group called the Cornerstone Crew who was paired with the Fuller Center for Housing. Our purpose was and still is to recruit, train, mentor low-income families who have children in our school system to obtain generational wealth through home ownership. With homelessness being a problem in Louisville, we got to continue to find ways to help our renters stay afloat without committing every dime they have to rent so that they can accomplish future goals like being homeowners. As a teacher, seeing a home, uh, homeless problem is devastating. Students in your class one week, they're not in there the next week. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. And when they're there, they just, you know, they're really more uh, concerned about what's for lunch or trying to find a job to help their families become stable because families can't contribute to our society if they constantly face eviction. We as taxpayers pay more for those services that are utilized following these evictions, of which we have about 4,000 pending evictions in Louisville in any given month, according to the Courier Journal. I'm into a group of underserved and underrepresented, mostly black and brown men in a district-wide organization called Men Equality. I teach them that democracy is a combination of freedom, justice, equity, and representation. And you can't have freedom, justice, equity without representation, um, which is absolutely what this council needs. I'm running for the position previously held by the distinguished Keisha Dorsey, but I recognize that black men are underrepresented with the absence of David James. What is also missing is a union member. I'm a proud, dues-paying union member for over 20 years with Jefferson County Teachers Association. And as a lobbyist for my union, I'm on the front lines fighting to keep our pension. And as a board member during negotiations, I use my voice to reach both sides of the aisle of this important work because it don't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, or anything else. You know, we're all Louisvillians, and I will uplift every single one of you. Uh, my ability to reach and unite people has resulted in this past year the largest raise our teachers have seen in over a decade. A cornerstone allows everyone else to stand on his or her shoulders and unites with cornerstones, as any union mason will tell you. I've joined recently the Shively City Hall as the Alcohol Beverage Control Administrator and work with Shively PD, LMPD, ABC unit to stop illegal sales of alcohol in my area, especially for businesses that sell alcohol to my students. I understand if I'm elected Metro Council, I have to resign, but I'm going to use my platform as a cornerstone to make a larger impact on educating our community, eradicating homelessness, and uplifting our union and labor organizations. Ready for questions? Thank you very much. Uh, Councilwoman Hawkins. Thanks, President. Well, looks as if you have a wealth of knowledge, and I love your energy. Well, thank you. Um, currently, the community is suffering from overdoses at a high rate, for example, the opiate crisis. What would you do to combat that issue? And I want to add another question to that. What inspired you to run with, run for this appointment? All right. Um, Well, I ran for uh, Metro Council 15 four years ago uh, before they redistricted. And when they redistricted, I'm in District 3, but I've been working with the district for for four years, you know, as far as with the ABC, I'm the ABC of Shively, and I see different things that need to be done that 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 we don't have in Shively. We don't have the businesses, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't. But, but we, what we can do is change certain uh, 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 codes in order to make our 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 areas less saturated with alcohol and businesses that we don't really need in the south end and just create more businesses that we do need so we're not spending all our monies to elsewhere so 
Uh, I know that um, the former uh, Metro Council person, uh, Keisha Dorsey, was really adamant about these things, and I share her same interests about uh, uh, sharing the wealth when it comes to low-income housing and better in our area. So have you worked closely with uh, Councilwoman Chief Dorsey on any projects or anything? No, I haven't worked with her on any projects. So my normally encounter with her was just seeing her at Shively Hall when she was uh, presenting uh, different uh, different initiatives to Shively Hall and we would just talk and pass them because it would be my job to re report what I was doing as an ABC man. Okay, so um, if you could just kind of highlight the, uh, and answer the question as far as the overdoses being at a high rate and the opium crisis, how would you combat that issue? Yeah, well, the main thing is we gotta do a better job of, of, of really just reaching out and educating our community, putting more uh, health services in different areas because just like we have a food desert, we also have a medical desert and we need to go ahead and uplift our area and, and, and you know, uh, invite more, uh, invite more uh, 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 medical professions to come get businesses now. We gotta actually build some businesses so we can have uh, medical experts in that area. And we also have to do a better job in, in our school system of, of educating our children and not just in the school system just in the community of educating all adults and people in the community about the dangers because really the education is the key because a lot of people once they get the education and they go on to better themselves you know if they don't have that that tends to lead to a lot of the problems that really cause depression because uh, uh, uh you know drug addiction so we've got to do a lot of uh, a better uh, a better job of just educating our community That's all. Councilman Arthur. Peace. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Huh. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. Which experience? I think the experience for real uh, that's the, the closest to this is for the past four years, I've been uh, my neighborhood president uh, as far as the uh, Cloverleaf area. And as president for four years, I've been able to work with businesses, I've been able to work with colleges, I've been able to work with Metro Council members who are constantly invited uh, to our forum to share, just, just to share decisions. We, you know, we, we talk about things that are, you know, issues that are coming up into Metro Council, for example, uh, building that 200 unit uh, 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 apartment complex on a, a corner on a Manslick and uh, Bluegrass Avenue. Uh, you know, we had a lot of discussions on that. Most of us were against it, but we did exercise our democratic process of expressing that to our Metro Council person who, who sat there on our board. So uh, just really dealing with the average the day problems of different peoples. You know, most of our people really just want to see that their garbage is picked up on time or, or uh, you know, when, when they can uh, set out their junk mail. But there are all the, the problems that come up. Some neighbors want speed humps. So it's really like from the very minute to, uh, to uh, just uh, creating activities that the community can come out and enjoy. International Day, cops and cones with the uh, kids and the police inviting Kroger, and just uh, just a myriad of other activities. I want to keep it concise. I know I don't have a minute, but I can go on. Councilwoman Purvis. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, uh, Mr. Rashad. Yes, ma'am. For being thank here, you. I, I have three questions. Uh, are you working currently 
uh, teaching and working for the ABC? Yes, I'm a high school teacher uh, by day, teaching my math course and a course called Developing Black Historical Conscience, so a social studies and math teacher, and I do do ABC work as well, uh, which is a part-time position. Uh, my agents, I have two agents that work for me, they really do the brunt of the work going into businesses and making sure that uh, businesses are kept in code with the with the alcohol with their license and they're not selling to teens and once they find violations then they're going to um, uh, charge those organizations and if they want to appeal I'm the person that they appeal to so yes uh, I guess a long long way of saying yes I'm, I'm doing both is, is your ABC, ABC position under our codes and regular uh, codes and enforcement here in the city uh, no, we're Shively. Shively, okay. Yeah, we're definitely Shively, and uh, I do understand that it's a conflict for me to do both. So, assuming that I get this position, I leave that position. I would think so. So, yes. how do you feel about your western part of the district uh, receiving liquor uh, license? You know, there is an overabundance of liquor establishments in the West End, in, in all of the districts. One, three, four, five, and six. Yes. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that they are, I think there's oversaturated. Oh. I think that uh, we need to really look at how the love is shared across the district because I feel that some people just uh, feel that this is supposed to be in this area and only this area, uh, and, and but what we need to do is really need to change some of those zoning codes. Like we want to, we really want to do. We need to change some of them zoning codes so that we don't have as many alcohol places and have as many strip clubs and have as many, you know, different things that aren't that 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 attract a certain element that doesn't really bring positivity or prosperity to our district. So we really got to uh, limit those because it's really oversaturated. Because if I you know, if there's more liquor stores than libraries, then there's a problem. There's a serious problem. And we've got to really be able, but, but it's a fine line because we've got to make sure that uh, business owners are able to make money, but we've got to make sure that the, the health and welfare of the people comes first. And that means not approving uh, uh, many alcohol establishments. Would you have a problem speaking against a, an establishment that became a community nuisance? <laughs> no, I have no problem speaking against that. Uh, you know, they, uh, and I can't remember the name of the strip club we shut down uh, right there on 7th Street. It's recently been bought by a new company, but there were two murders on the, in that strip club within the past within the past two years, and uh, it was a nuisance. And they weren't following their uh, the, the, the laws when it come, when it pertains to alcohol sales, being that you got to have 30% of your sales has to be food. They violated that all the time. So we were able to shut that down, and I'm very proud of that accomplishment with uh, with me and my agents in collaboration with uh, LMPD ABC. Okay. One last thing. Yes, ma'am. I, I noticed you, you teach at Breckenridge, which is an alternative school, so you have a lot of kids that would have your problems and this is I'm just asking you for your opinion yes do you think some of the problems that you see with the kids do you think is due to lack of parenting <clears throat> well 
there are issues that do. A lot of them, some of them, some of them is, some of it is a lack of parenting and some of it is the lack of parents being able to understand how to advocate for their, for their kids, uh, you know, and, a, and some of it is a little bit more systemic because there's a big problem if 90% of my students are black and most of them are male. Uh, it, it, and a lot of those problems do come down to the point where parents aren't, aren't able to advocate for their students. Prime example, have a student that shouldn't be in my school as I'm speaking to you right now, and but the parent doesn't know how to advocate, so we're trying to help add this, the student advocate, but this, the parent never understood that there was even such a thing called an appeal process, and they have a helping under, uh, the parents understand that this, uh, their appeal process and their rights will help them help their students or their children. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, well, Mr. Rashad, uh, question for you. You, you, you're ABC officer. Hi, hey. <laughs> ABC officer. You mentioned how you worked with law enforcement. Uh, all, uh, almost every candidate, right, have talked about the need for public safety, uh, both in the city and the district. Uh, talk to me about your thoughts on how to improve public safety. Uh, including whether or not, uh, you know, depending who you speak with, but your thoughts about whether we have the right amount of police officers, we need more, we need less, and the role that LMPD has in, in your thoughts about how to improve law enforcement, or how to improve public safety, excuse me. Thank you. Excellent question. Thank you. Uh, you know, I have a, as president of uh, my neighborhood association, every year we do a, a program called Cops and Cones where we work with Gutter Booth Elementary and we have the, uh, you know, the kids interact with the police officers over friendly things like ice cream, you know, maybe have a, a fun day going out to Churchill Downs. But we need more community involvement like that. And, uh, you know, as far as having uh, uh, more police officers and defining the role of police officers, I think that we should be able to use the community to help us define the, the role of police officers. Because me personally, I, I think that there are, uh, you know, I think that, I think that it's great to have police officers, it's great to have more police officers, but again, we gotta define what we mean when we see police. Do, does every situation that we encounter mean, mean that I need somebody to come to my house with a gun? Not at all. But we can still have police officers who specialize in other things, mental health and all that. They can still be called police, but they don't need to have, all have guns. And, you know, and that's how we just really need to define it. So we always need more personnel. We just got to, and, and, you know, and that's what I'm saying. We really need to get the community together to define what they want to see the, uh, uh, as the duty of our officers. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely supportive, but we just need a lot more interaction so everyone sees each other as human beings and not as adversaries. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Councilman Reed. And thank you. Uh, Mr. Rashad, we just ask you sort of uh, for concise answers. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, very quickly, um, you mentioned uh, police, uh, public safety, and you uh, live in, a, in an area that has a suburban police force. What, uh, I'm just curious, what best practices do you see from the Shively police force that you could suggest or might lend itself to LMPD? I honestly can't answer that question as far as what do I think that Shively does better than, because the reason I really can't answer that question is because um, my 
my tenure uh, as far as ABC on Shively, we spent uh, a lot of our time being trained by LMPD. So it, it's it's like uh, what it's like me trying to just really correct my teacher at this point. So um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, and I don't want to just speak in that, I'll try because my my original question was about affordable housing, which you mentioned is a priority, uh, and it is a priority. Uh, do you agree, though, that affordable housing should go where there are adequate jobs, adequate roads, uh, adequate infrastructure, uh, bus lines, uh, you know, transit, um, in terms of just basically <laughs> the infrastructure for people to, to actually be able to, to grow and thrive? See, that, I do agree. And that was just basically my problem, why we had to... Uh, uh, of that 200 unit uh, uh, that was placed on the corner of Man Slick, because there aren't any accesses. There's a food desert over there. There aren't any roads. It's a two-way highway, and it's and it's really you know it's going to cause a lot of congestion. So, uh, quick answer: Yes, I do think that we need to uh, uh, be more strategic about where we place this affordable housing and uh, allow everyone to get their best chance. Thank you very much, sir. We've still got a number of people in queue, so we'll try to run through these. Councilwoman Rui. Okay, uh, uh, Mr. Rashad, thank you very much for your service to our to our students. As a retired teacher, I know how much of a struggle that is. Many of these young people have issues with generational trauma, lack of hope, uh, lack of jobs for them to look forward to, for their parents to look forward to. If you had a million dollars, what would you do with it in your district to help improve that situation? Oh, yeah, a million dollars. Well, you know, a, a large part of that million dollars, uh, that, that's, that's a big budget, first of all, and thank you for allowing me to have that. Um, but that budget, I would absolutely use it to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to support, you know, uh, projects like the Fuller Center for Louisville or uh, the Habitat for Humanity, but not just support those businesses, but really to, to, to help them create a curriculum that I can take back to the schools. And that's what's mainly needed because a lot of these programs are taking care of the problem after you're 30, 40, 50 years old. But I think that we need to go ahead and put these programs in place where people understand home ownership as teenagers. So I think that I would spend a, a majority of that money really building those programs, which would include purchasing materials and really purchasing those twenty, thirty thousand dollars houses, teaching students how to rebuild those houses and uh, uh, and, and, and elevate their uh, personal value through home ownership. Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Mr. President. So um, in, in your opening statement, uh, you mentioned um, several advocacy <laughs> over here, <laughs> but in, in your your resume, uh, you classify yourself as a collaborative team player. I appreciate that, but in your opening statements, uh, you mentioned several uh, specific segments that you are passionate about that you advocate for. Uh, so, could you just help me to reconcile that by explaining how you would foster an environment of collaboration and compassion? and compromise in a very concise way. Thank you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's really just about talking to people, just uh, really on a personal level, finding out what people's personal interests are and seeing where they align with mine. I feel that we're all good people. We all want to see Louisvillians uh, thrive. So, I, like I said, I, I look at it from that point. I don't really don't 
care or worry about um, party affiliations. I'm just really about really about the end result. So um, I think uh, we all have a. I'm supposed to be concise. We're all worried about uh, uh, housing. So we're all gonna have ideas. We're gonna come to the table. We're gonna work it out. We're gonna hash it out. And you know, I'm not about putting down individuals or putting down individuals' ideas. I'm about the upliftment of all of us. And you know, um, I'm, I'm down for the negotiation. Thank you. Yes, sir. Councilman Hawkins. <clears throat> Thanks. As an African-American male, how do you plan to lead our youth? You know, college and education is great, but it's not for everyone. So do you have any suggestions on how you're going to grab the youth's attention? Oh, absolutely. As far as like, um, one thing I will say that was unique about um, Councilwoman Chief Dorsey, her boots was to the ground. She was very authentic. Mm -hmm. So I know you said that you do the, uh, you're with ABC and things like that, but how would you get, you know, get your boots to the ground? Absolutely. How would you grab the youth? Well, yeah, uh, right now, I, I'm, I'm a mentor to many youth. Uh, you know, I have a group called the Mental Quality Program, uh, which is, you know, uh, across this district where I've mentored hundreds, Honestly, I came in. I came in today, and one of my students was working uh, the security coming in, uh, coming <laughs> okay. in. You know, as it was a wonderful thing. So uh, I've mentored, and, and right now I'm already uh, an, as a lobbyist for our union. You know, I go to Frankfurt a lot, and I talk to legislators and uh, other lobbyists. Uh, this year, uh, I'm taking all my well, no, I'm taking a lot of students with me. I do take students with me to the Capitol often, but it's really about that exposure. It's really about exposure because, which if you look at it, you know, groups like the uh, Black Chamber of Commerce and uh, Men Equality and other groups, all our kids really need is a mentor who will listen to what they like, what they need, and really build the program off of it. Question, and it's not to say that you're not doing it, but when I say boots to the ground, I mean like reaching the youth that nobody can reach. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's you know what the I do. ones that are fatherless, yeah. the ones that are not used to, you know, a lot of the ones that are in the little league football teams. Yeah, yeah. Ones, See, I got to understand. Do you have any yeah. any ideas, or have you thought of any programs implementing those type of children? You know, you can. We all can grab the ones that, you know, that we can pull here to go to Frankfurt. No, those are my. Those are all of my kids. Um, my kids. My whole school is uh, filled with kids who have been um, had too many interactions with the criminal justice system. So therefore, it could be in school or out of school. So when they talk about the school to prison pipeline, they're talking about my school. I'm at the gate. You know, because if we don't keep them at, we don't get them right out of our school, then they leave. And that's what I'm talking about. So we really we really have a program called Big Picture, and we really need to implement the Big Picture program because like you said, school is not for everyone, not everybody wants to do standardized testing and really thrives at that, but these kids do have ideas that they want to do, and if there's one kid that they have an idea to want to do, we build the educational program around that idea, not the other way around, and that's the problem that, you know, is the hardest thing about school. So when we have, when I'm talking about my programs like Men Equality, those are the guys that I'm talking about that I, you know, I'm there, you know, they're going to text me. Sometimes they need uh, money to get to school. I got a student got kicked out of his house. He's homeless right now, living in Indiana, and I, I pay for him to come across that bridge. And, um, but he's getting a job real, so I'm going to be free from that here soon. So, but, but that's the type of thing. It's just about people just reaching them where they are. And, you know, my, my group's, 
you know, I stay with them all the way into their, you know, I'm a godfather for a few of my students now, right now. You know, we, we stay in contact, we help each one reach one, and we all just try to come up together. So those are students that you're talking about are the ones who I deal with daily. Okay, I'm gonna make this quick because I know I gotta get okay. off here. So you, you, you continue to say students. I'm not really talking about students. I'm talking about kids that live in the streets. I'm talking about kids that stay in trouble. Yeah, they students too. I'm talking too. about kids that really need our African-American male, yeah. males as role yeah. models. Those are, I'm not talking about kids that go to school. I'm talking about a lot of the ones that don't go to school. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about <clears throat> implementing programs for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have any ideas or any structures kind of getting, because a, a lot of those students, Jefferson County Public Schools can't even get a hold of them. No, they can't get a hold of them. They, they, they can't get a hold of them. So um, it's really, you know, it, it's really about, uh, it's really about making connections. I would just like to point to a, a school district in New Orleans. I know you don't want to focus on students, but it, it, it really transferred out into the community where uh, even early on in their life, early on in their life, they identified who was the uh, number one supporter or advocate for that student or for that child, you know, for that child. And as long as you, uh, and what they did was they intentionally made a connection with that, with that individual to continue being a mentor. So that's one of the things, so that's what it all boils down to is in the community finding more mentors. I mean, just like the Street Academy program or uh, uh, the Old Mayor's initiative of putting the OGs on the street to mentor the youngs. And uh, that's that's what it's gonna take, just for more, more adults to go on the street and just really just start talking to people. Thank you. And last question, Councilman Arthur. A quick follow-up, can you confirm the housing development you protested against was the one next to the University of Louisville, St. Mary and Elizabeth Hospital, the same housing development that former Councilman Kevin Triplett was against? Yes, sir. That's the one. Thank you. Thank Mr. Rashad, you. thank you so much for your time. You've got one minute to wrap up. All right. Thank you, dear councilmen, uh, council people. As a neighborhood president for the past four years, I've educated my community with partnerships from schools, police, colleges, local businesses, and members from Metro Council in my capacity as a neighborhood president. Together, we've improved our neighborhood, increased property values, and as a member of Metro Council, we gotta improve our areas by creating an infrastructure that will allow districts to grow with businesses that elevate our communities and not denote a few districts to take the brunt of businesses that no other district want. I hope in our conversations you will see our celebrate you and present myself with case with facts I will support you all regardless of party ideas align you know just align with the uh, energizing education upliftment eliminating homelessness and protecting unionism you know uh, thank you all for being cornerstones and I will work hard in my role as the next Metro Councilman of District 3 Mr. Rashad thank you for your time and your interest uh, if you'd like to watch the last interview you may do so in the first floor conference room but are under no obligation to do so appreciate it very much Madam Clerk, please call the next candidate. Sean Spencer. Ms. Spencer, welcome. Welcome, you're gonna sit right here. Uh, the microphone's already on, so whenever you're ready, you'll just speak into that. Uh, give you just a couple of instructions. You're gonna have a three minute introduction uh, that's yours. It'll start when you start speaking. You'll see the timer will be on the screen on the right. Uh, then we'll have about 10 minutes of questions. Uh, we just ask that you make your answers as concise as possible so as many people can ask as would like. Uh, and at the end, you'll get a one-minute um, closing statement. 
Uh, some of the questions will be on the screen to your left. So if they're not in the room, they're going to be up there. So look either way. Okay. And the floor is yours. Good evening, Metro Council members. My name is Sean Spencer. I am a proud resident of District 3. I have a combined 30 plus years of residency in the Taylor Berry and Shively areas. And I'm asking to be appointed the next Metro Council District 3 representative. I hope in reviewing my resume, although not inclusive of all of my community work and initiatives, you were able to surmise I'm more than an HR consultant. I'm a small business owner, a parent, a good neighbor, and I'm heavily involved in multiple sectors of the community. I am a proud and a product of District 3. I attended Jacob Elementary, Butler High School. On the weekends, I hung out at Champs, the Bowling Alley, <clears throat> Putt-Putt, 18th Street Baptist Church, and stores in Southland Terrace and Bacon Shopping Mall. Sadly, most of those things, places, are gone now, leaving our youth with less to do and more time to get into things. As an adult, when it was time for me to decide where I was going to raise my daughter, I chose Shively. Specifically, I knew the community, I knew the neighbors, and I knew they would look out for us and it was the best place for her. When I saw the economic decline of the area, I was more than happy to join other business owners in the development of the Southwest Dream Team. When I saw how great it worked for economic development, I asked one of the founders to help me create the West Louisville Dream Team. During COVID, when I saw our seniors in the Southwest and West End areas weren't getting a lot of the help that they needed with food and safety materials, I was happy to partner with the Southwest Christian Ministries, Metro United Way, UPS, our residents, and several Metro Council members to ensure our senior citizens were taken care of. As a resident and community advocate, I have a lifelong vested interest in D3 success. If given the opportunity, I would continue some of the projects started by Councilwoman Dorsey, like advocating for affordable housing and pushing back against the redlining. And then of course, meeting residents at their doorsteps. I'd also work to increase street lighting in dangerous areas and work with residents to keep our community from being a dumping ground for harmful industry. As a consumer and businesswoman, I would like to work with the revitalization of Southland Terrace, Taylor Boulevard, and the Kane Run Quarters. And I just uh, would like to learn as much as I can about the council people that are here today, uh, especially with some of the initiatives that you have uh, implemented yourselves, like the community advisory board, neighborhood meetings, maybe even a satellite office. I want the council to understand, and those watching at home, I am not here because this is the next office I should run for or as a placeholder. I want to be here for the duration of this term because D3 deserves the stability that I could give. Thank you. 
Councilman Arthur, who's going to be on the video to your left? Councilman Arthur? Peace. Which one of your professional or personal experiences is most relevant to representing District 3 and how? Um, I think my human resource background, because as a human resource consultant, I have employees and uh, clients that are actually in all the districts. I also have to work with a diverse population from people with different backgrounds, religion, socioeconomic status, um, criminal background, skills, education level. So I think my human resource consulting experience uh, is most applicable. Councilman Reed. Also on the screen. Sorry about that. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, you said that you, uh, first of all, thank you very much for, for coming. Uh, you said that you're a small business owner. Uh, would you please tell me a little bit about your business, how many people you, you employ, and how long you've been in business? Yes. So I've been in business since uh, March of 2008. Really didn't get started until 2009 because it was a recession, and no one told me not to open a business uh, in 2008. Um, we've had as many as 100 employees and as few as, I think we have 11 now, um, not counting myself and outside people like accountants and things like that. And we're in the NIA Center. We operated in Shively previous to that. And we provide HR services, consulting, training, and staffing to small businesses and large businesses in Kentucky and in the region. Thank you. You're welcome. Councilman Batchen. Um, thank you, Mr. President. Um, if you don't mind, Ms. Spencer, I'm going to ask uh, two questions here. Sorry. How are you? It's okay. You're I've got great. my glasses on, but still. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about the West End Dream Team and your collaboration with the Southwest Dream Team and what work you have done in your, in your uh, experience there and how it's helped and developed um, the West End and in the Shively area? And then I'll ask my second question. Yes, so with the Southwest Dream Team, I had already started my business uh, when we started working on coming together to figure out how we were gonna formulate the, the Southwest Dream Team. So one of my jobs was to do research and to do research on funding, uh, economic strategy, things like that. With the West End Dream Team, uh, the West Louisville Dream Team, there wasn't really an organization that represented all of the neighborhoods, businesses, and residents. And so we came together, it was five of us from different fields, accounting, job corps, because we wanted to make sure to include the youth. Um, there were some presidents of some of the neighborhood associations that came together. And we decided that we wanted to have a collaborative voice, not necessary just to advocate or just to host events, but to, have, to work in collaboration to support each other on what other, um, what projects each of the different divisions had. So one of the first thing we did was have a business trade show. There had not been a business trade show in West Louisville. So we hosted one, brought all the businesses out. We bought the schools out. We bought residents out to just get that basis. We created the West Louisville Business Directory uh, which is online. Um, there hadn't been one since um, the Louisville Defender had did one years ago. And so that's kind of how we've moved forward. As far as partnering, um, the Southwest Dream Team has the Citizens Academy, and so we were able to send some of our representatives there. Uh, when we started working on the senior meals, 
we collaborated in getting volunteers together, um, getting companies to donate money. So we've worked really well together. Thank you for that answer. Um, my second answer is, so you, or question is, so you've been in the residence um, for 22 years and you've been in the South End or in Shively, West End area, basically your entire life. Yeah. Um, so you've seen some of the ups and the downs and the roller coaster ride. With that being said, do you think we have a, a gang problem in our city and how do you feel like we should combat that if you think we do? A gang problem? Yes. So um, I grew up in the Taylor Berry area in the Jacob neighborhood. That neighborhood has gone from us riding bikes around um, to now there's fencing up. It, it looks more institutionalized than it does a neighborhood. I've been on the Shively side um, for 22 years. I've had things where not just gang members, but people that ha are addicted to drugs and they're trying to, to escape the police. We've had them drive into uh, our neighbor's yards, hit trees, abandon cars and get out to run. We've had several shootings. Um, so yes, I do think um, that, that there are, are gangs. Um, I also think that we have an issue with young people. There are over a thousand young people that are aged out of foster care or some other type of, of um, controlled environment every year. In the state of Kentucky, there's only about um, 300 spaces for continued care. Well, where do you think those other 700 young folks go? They're couch surfing, they're living on the street, they're getting involved with people that they think will take care of them. And so, yes, there, there's a problem, um, but there's also a bigger problem with what are we gonna do with our youth overall, how we are going to support them with housing, jobs, to keep them away from some of those gang activities so that the gangs can't grow in numbers. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Hawkins. Thank you, President. As an African-American female, um, how do you plan on leading the youth? I was glad that you touched on the youth of mm -hmm. uh, college and just having the education all the time just doesn't get it. Right. You have to um, have those boots to the ground mm -hmm. to kind of touch our youth. They kind of respect, you know, people that they see. Right. So um, what programs and trades would you suggest for the youth to kind of grab their attention? Yes. So uh, as an HR professional, a lot of my clients have had trouble with youth um, coming in. And when I say youth, 18 to 26, those transitioning into the workforce. Um, so not just your 16 to 21 or so. Okay, let me, let me stop the recording. Okay. okay, so I'm talking about age 13 all the way to 21. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the youth now being mm -hmm. boots to the ground, mm -hmm. though that is where the age issue mm -hmm. is. Yep. Not... I'm speaking on not HR, I'm speaking on you as a person, right. sitting in and, D3. Right, and so um, I guess what I was trying to explain is some of the background that I've had and why I was gonna explain two programs okay. that I've created. Okay. One is for children 12 um, to 16 and then 18 to 26. Um, but behind that is, as an HR professional, with my clients, hiring them, getting them in, whether it's welding, customer service, typing, um, just standing at the door and, and opening the door, there was a running theme. And the running theme was not the skill level because most people 
you can teach most people anything. It was the things around them, the supporting things, the housing, how are they gonna eat, um, if they've got drug um, problems at home, if they're involved in the juvenile system, if they're having issues at school, they're not learning, um, they have a mental um, disability or behavioral emotional disability. So one of the things that I did as a parent and as someone wanting to make sure that these people become productive citizens, um, I created a program called Wibby's Foundation, which was for younger youth. Um, we, we partnered with other organizations to work with families and with children that have emotional and mental disabilities, whether it be ADHD, oppositional defiant, that type of thing. Getting them acclimated with other kids, coming up with other ways for them to express themselves. Moving up for the older kids, I created a program called the Perfect Path Program. It's a work, live, grow program where, again, we're in partnership with other organizations because not one organization can serve everyone. We give them housing, we give them a job, we work to find a skill that they are able to do, and then we find small businesses are large that are willing to employ them, but to work with them. So for example, if they're on their phone all the time, or if they call in, I can't get to work because of bus, or I live in um, the California neighborhood, you want me to go to market, I can't go into that neighborhood because of whatever has happened in their life. So our, we work, and I especially as an African-American woman with African-American male relatives, specifically work to make sure that not only are they safe, but that they understand what's going on and they have the support of other organizations. So did that answer your question a little yeah. better? Okay. Okay, Ms. Spencer, thank you. I'll give you one minute to, uh, for any closing statement. Okay. In closing, I just ask that you all in, uh, appoint me because I'm the most well-rounded resident with extensive experience working with a diverse population and the entire third district. I'm a quick learner with the ability to work uh, to identify problems, research them, and then help to develop solutions for the greater numbers and good. I will not promise to agree with everyone on the council all the time, but I can promise to be respectful and when and where needed to work to compromise. I also promise my neighbors that I will stand up for my district because we deserve nothing less. And thank you and have a good night. Ms. Spencer, thank you again for your time. Thank you for hanging in there uh, down in the conference room for, for this entire time and, and thank you for your interest. Uh, you may leave, thank you. Uh, <laughs> colleagues, at this time, we've heard from each of the eight applicants. As stated at the beginning of the meeting, the full Metro Council will meet on Thursday, February 2nd at 6 p.m. We will vote to appoint one of these fine candidates to the District 3 seat for the Louisville Metro Council. As an additional reminder, the Committee of the Whole will reconvene tomorrow, Tuesday, January 31st at 4.30 p.m. to interview the candidates for District 6. Thank you for your attention and questions tonight. Uh, buckle in for an even longer night tomorrow. Uh, and uh, with no further business before us, the Committee of the Whole, and without objection, is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.